I will say this, man. I am very amazed that you decided to, you know, let, and I hate to bring this up again, but I have to. I go dead weight from the old show and do this show instead. It's a lot better now. It, it's it's miles ahead of what it was before. Uh, I can go for over a thousand dollars a pound. That's you was really being ripped off. I can get you that much. Jim, well, it, it 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 not necessarily.
Yeah. I wound up getting a cold. Now, for those who don't know, I was in Los Angeles this weekend with Laura, and we attended the Conscious Life Expo. That was a great, great time. I don't even have the words to describe that. So much happened, just like all the other times. So much, so many unexpected things happened, and we were so fortunate to get to run into so many interesting people and people that you've interviewed. So it's pretty crazy. I mean, you can't write this. Stuff. You really couldn't. So no, much, I don't. I don't yeah. even know if anybody's going to believe these stories. It was pretty wild, right? What a phenomenal weekend. Yeah. It, it was really interesting to see these familiar faces. We mm-hmm. were we were extremely fortunate to have the kind of experience we got out of it because when we first got there, we didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, you don't know who you're going to see and who's going to be receptive to it. And it's all about just sort of accidentally running into people, right? Oh, yes. Being in the right place at the right time. And the thing that I love about that conference, and you and I had both been there not together but it on in other years and the great thing about that conference is that it's held in the hotel where you know everybody stays so everybody's in the breakfast area and the bar and the elevator and the hallways and you know the executive lounge and that's where the real fun was at (laughs) away from the conference yeah or expo rather right from the little panels and lectures workshops. Mm-hmm. The real party was in the lobby. Yeah, definitely. Well, that that was the case at AlienCon too, but um, this this was a little different. Uh, we got to see Jordan Maxwell, who, wow, I'm just still floored by that because um, I had met him once before, but... I can't um, even believe that happened. We actually got to dine with Jordan Maxwell. Yeah, and it, it's funny because usually we like to be sat somewhere in a very quiet location. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, and they, we were sitting, mm-hmm. yeah, in a, at a really bad table. Right in the front. <laughs> right in the front of the restaurant looking at, um, the, out lobby, into yeah. the lobby. And you saw him wandering. But, th- but this story goes back even further. This story goes back to, he was given a lifetime achievement award at one of the workshops. It was, um, Dean Ryan and Sean Stone's workshop on Sunday. And then we met him after. Remember? I took mm-hmm. pictures of you guys. That was great. Yeah, and what was it like when you introduced yourself to him? Well, he recognized who I was, mm-hmm. which was just pretty insane. Yeah. Again, I don't even have the words. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. I'm I'm very much speechless to be honest he, with you. Over he the was experience. so happy to see, yeah, he was so happy to see you. That's that's what was great about it. That's and, true. Um, yeah. And so I took some pictures. I think you posted one on Twitter and then, and then you saw him that night, right? I saw him later. Yeah. And <laughs> I had to bring him over him and his agent, by the way. You saw him that night in the, in the coffee shop. In the coffee shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was again you, with, with his agent there. Yeah. So he's, he's paired up with somebody now and the agent, I think is producing videos for him because, yes. you know, Jordan's been through a lot. He, um, he had his website kind of hacked or stolen or something. Yeah, he's going to be on the program, by the way, and we're going to talk a little bit about all those okay, gruesome details. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, so you got to talk to the agent a little bit and then... Yeah, Mr. Alex Black. Yeah, from Vegas. What a stand-up guy. He's he's very Vegas. Yeah, he's so then so the Vegas. next day, 
Right. The next day we saw Jordan just kind of wandering around. Mm-hmm. I saw him out there and I just thought we got to bring him, got to bring him to the table there with us. Yeah. From our lunch table, he was just sort of wandering around and Jordan come over. So yeah, they sat with us and then, uh, and they gave me a ride to the airport. That was great. Yeah. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they did all that. I'm, I'm glad they joined us and he seemed in very high spirits at the expo. Well, we got a little bit of a, what was nice about it is that we got a little bit of a one-on-one teaching with him there at, at, well, they were eating breakfast and we were eating lunch and, um, that, and, that know, was the great part. Let me yeah. cut you off really quickly there. It was pretty, pretty phenomenal to have Jordan Maxwell put his arm around you and have him walk you to the table. That was, mm-hmm. that was pretty fun. Yeah. And of course, everybody just staring at me there. Yeah. Wondering what's so, going on. What's going on? So he, he really took to you and that was great to see. Um, but let's also not forget some of the other great people we saw. Um, Linda Moe and how? Linda Moe. Oh my. That was She's fun. So cute. She that was fun. She's so cute. We popped out of nowhere and there she was. It happened twice, right? That She's just adorable. She pops yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to tell her a little bit about your cattle mutilation story and. Oh yes. Hopefully she'll come on and uh, you guys can discuss that. Oh, my goodness. Of course, that is going to be a great episode if she does join us, in fact. And I gave her um the little banner that you printed out mm-hmm. and she really liked that. It, yeah, the everyone. New logo, yeah, everyone seemed to really like the new logo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan did, too. He was fascinated by it. So but Friday night was uh Jimmy Church was doing his show live from. The dungeon there, that hot oh God. ballroom. God, that room. damn! Turn that the room air conditioner on. Yeah, so Jimmy was doing the show live, and we got to sort of sit there and watch. He had Linda on, and then he had Whitley Strieber on, and um, I hadn't seen him in a few years. It was great to see him um, out and about. And then, um, and uh, who else was on there? I don't know. It was getting kind of late. Do you remember? Linda showed up for a bit there. Linda was there, and I think Richard Dolan was next. Oh, that's right. He was there. and We kind of split. Oh, but we forgot. So, Daniel Brinkley. Oh, yeah, Daniel Brinkley. (laughs) Jesus. That was another. I love it when I see you meet people that you've interviewed that you hadn't met before. That is just always such a great moment, and I always take pictures. And so, Daniel was in the... In the exhibition hall, I think he was sitting there, right? Yeah. You saw him? By the yeah. way, there, there was, I think, 200 exhibitors at this event. It's big. That's a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize there was that many. There was some wow. wacky stuff. You know, there, there really was. I, I like to imagine that there was something for everybody there. But, but what I appreciated is that you prevented me from like spending a lot of money on some really you know, kind of sketchy carnival stuff objects. Yes. Um, being muscle tested for a necklace. And then what were those chopped up stones that you put in your shoes? Oh yeah. (laughs) That was kind of interesting though. The the water was great with the colloidal silver in it. Everybody was rocking that by the way, the starfire water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Daniel Brinkley, that was great. And he's so loving and just, hugs and just so great and um you've interviewed him a couple times right yeah saved by the light interviewed him once i or twice Ooh. was it well was he it really practices what he preaches i i really liked him he, he was great 
somebody we saw but didn't get to talk to was Laura Eisenhower. I saw her uh, quite oh. a few times out there. A little scary, maybe? She was scaring you? A little scary, a little yeah. A little she intimidating? Angry. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She is a little intimidating, no doubt. And uh, Who else so did then, we see? Well, Saturday night was the George Norrie Award presentation, where he, he always gives out a Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award. And that was so much fun, by the way. Yeah, and Whitley Strieber, who he and I go way back, and he and his late wife, Anne, were given the Lifetime Achievement Award. But then this year, they did something a little bit different. They gave out other awards. So the Indiana Jones Award went to David Hatcher Jones. I'm sorry, that guy is just he was everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, he was everywhere again. Everywhere we turned, he was right there. <laughs> kind of like uh, Giorgio, Giorgio uh, Sukalos. And Stanton Friedman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he so, ran into them so, like 30 times probably. Yeah, and there wow. were some other awards given out that night. Um, Danyan got an award, didn't he? He got an award, and then there was a secret award, and it was given to George Norrie. George Norrie. And he didn't, yeah, he didn't expect that. That was really sweet. I yeah. loved it. He he was all humble and and kind of shy and um, mm-hmm. yeah. We also got to talk to Tom Danheiser. Tom, yeah, who was mm-hmm. great, really friendly. They were all great, and I do want to thank Tom and George Norrie. Got to thank they, them. Yeah, they uh they always spend time talking to you, and uh, I always take a lot of pictures of you guys together, and I got some good ones. You guys look like you were straight out of a movie. Yeah, we were gonna take somebody out. Everybody was dressed so well on Saturday night and um it said the the program said it was cash bar and refreshments, but it was actually free champagne and organic chocolate. So that by was the, nice. By the way, Jordan wasn't there, right? No. I wonder no, why. Not, yeah, that's interesting. He yeah, he was there. given his award separately on Sunday night by um by Dean and Sean. So that was maybe like a rogue kinda independent thing i don't know oh wait a minute sean david morton oh that was a surprise come on i didn't expect to see him come on what 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 do you want me to say that i I was (laughs) that i was completely surprised uh, surprised to see him at a conspiracy related type of event and why is that michael well it's just kind of ironic how so well last time i checked didn't he get arrested for something of that nature that's trying to hack the system. That's what I heard. I, I think he really did hack the system. I think he was trying to get back in. So Sean David Morton, I, I think he still has his own show. I think he, he does, actually. He was talking about that, but he wasn't, I don't think he was he an invited guest. No, no he, he wasn't. was doing a Monday after conference um, intensive the next day. So there was him, and then we saw Mike Barra in the bar. Again. And had a nice little private conversation with him. I like Mike Barra, by the way. I do too. He's I a fun too. guy. He was really open and very honest friendly. About, yeah. But yeah, yeah, you know, I thought Morton was in jail. Oh, you thought he was still in jail? I thought well, he was still in jail. He looked a little crumpled, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, just completely surprised and taken back to actually see him there at the conference. Yeah, a little out of shape. Ooh. I don't know how how long's he been out. I couldn't really tell you. Yeah, so that was Saturday. Um. Hmm. We won't divulge the Mike Barra conversation. I really wish we could, though. <laughs> I really wish we could have got into that some more, but time was against us. Uh, Jimmy Church was so sweet. He was so very friendly. nice. Yeah, so friendly. 
lots of hugs, lots of love. Yeah, he was very nice. He's a great guy. He's Um, always nice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I got some good pictures of him. And then, oh, what about Daniel Sheen? Sheen? Daniel Sheen, the guy with the curly white hair? He was everywhere once again. He was everywhere, and he I think he was the most interesting person on that panel. He really was. Had some really uh, new and unique and insightful things to say because uh, he's a Harvard lawyer. He went to Harvard Law School, and he's actually friends with a friend of ours, Barbara Honiger. And Barbara, right. Yeah, and he kept talking about the Vatican, and he was representing. Who was he representing? He was representing the Vatican. I need to get him on. Yeah, I, that was, he, they just didn't, he was on that big panel and they just didn't give him enough time. Right. To, to tell his story. Um, but he was definitely the most articulate and, and, uh, educated and, and like I said, had something new to say that, that I hadn't heard before. And then, um, Misha Johnston. Misha, we couldn't ID her. <sighs> Saw her walking around the lobby. I felt bad. You're like, and I still, I, know her. I still feel really bad, by the way, to have that conversation with you. Why? Well, I just felt so guilty for not recognizing her. Well, yeah. you knew you knew her. I, yeah, but you've had so From many somewhere. guests over the years. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that, I well, for those who don't know or don't remember, I wasn't on last week. There was, of course, reruns of the program, and if you missed any show, just go to michaeldeacon.com. Or endofdaysradio.org and you can find all the latest shows there. So yeah, sorry to interrupt you there. I had to plug that. That's in okay, there. but I, I have to say something that you haven't mentioned, which is what happened. Well, two not so two weekends prior to the expo, we did something which you're not talking about, which is oh, you, oh, you mean did, San Diego? Yeah, we did the ghost, haunted ghost yeah. tour of San Diego mm-hmm. that that I think you need to talk about at some point. Because that was really interesting. It really is, but I'm I I need to actually prepare some more for that yeah. because I I feel like there's so much that went on. It it the tour guide was great. But well, he what talked was really fast? It was a ton of information. What was, was going so on fun. with um? Sorry to cut you off again, but what was okay. going on with with the photos? Those photos, the photos I took, they always come out strange. They kept telling us to take photos, and I thought, well, come on, I'm not going to see anything. We didn't see anything, everybody. We didn't see any no. ghosts. But San Diego has a really interesting history of haunting. And then the one thing that really stood out at me is that um, there was a graveyard that isn't there anymore. There's a children's school and playground there. And right, all the gravestones, when they were removed, they were chopped up and made into gravel and used to pave mm -hmm. the highway. The highway right there. The haunted highway. How creepy. They took us on that stretch of highway, right? They sure did. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a fun little tour. Yeah. It just was beautiful. It was like a beautiful night. That whole time, it was a great time. Yeah, we could see the stars. We could see Orion. And yeah, I I highly recommend that. Anybody going to San Diego, the trolley picks you up in Old Town. Mm -hmm. And it's about two hours. And then there's an add-on at the end. Oh, so the house that we toured is has been deemed by the U.S. government as the most haunted house in America the Whaley House. Allegedly. Well, but sorry, but I just like throwing that in. But it sounds it's a so fact. good. They really made a point of saying it is a fact that the United States government has ranked how haunted these houses are, these historic homes are. 
And the Whaley House in San Diego is the most haunted house in America. And it was so disappointing to be in there. And I mean, you're, you and I are both really sensitive and we didn't feel or see anything. We really you didn't, did, actually, to no, be honest. You, you got some things on well, there were one photo. Just one. And it was a little unusual. But who really knows what that was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bunch Could of be anything. Happen. Could be anything, right? And um, another, just one more interesting thing about that is that Regis Philbin, who started off his career as a journalist, was supposed to spend the night in that house to then report on it. And he wound up leaving at like two in the morning because something happened. Right. Isn't that what they said? And he wouldn't go back in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so. I'm not sure if that's true or not. <laughs> We're going to have to ask Regis. We're going to have to. We're going to have to. But who knows, though, right? Who really knows? Yeah. And um, speaking of death, there was another death, Nicole Bass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She passed away. I'm so sorry. I know you really liked her. Yeah. She was an interesting, an interesting soul. And I learned she had passed away, and I had seen that there was some sort of um, conflict in reports. Previously, I believe it was her girlfriend, perhaps posted on Facebook a little too early. Wait, and, whoa, 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 her girlfriend? Yeah, she had a girlfriend, I, I believe. What kind of girlfriend? Um, A girlfriend girlfriend. A real girlfriend? Yeah. Oh, I As didn't know that. In a I'm relationship with her, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe people were saying she passed away, but she, in fact, hadn't passed away just yet. Um, she is currently brain dead. I'm not sure if she is officially dead as of this moment. I'm not sure. I haven't looked. But my goodness, what a terrible situation. You know, I used to do that, I have to say, um, right out of college because I studied uh, neuropsychology. I used to do EEG tests at university hospitals in Cleveland and I'd have to do EEGs on people that they had to determine what their brain activity was, if they were technically brain dead or not. And that was, that just reminded me of that. That's terrible. Yeah, that's creepy. It really is creepy. And I guess she was rushed to a New York hospital over the weekend and placed on life support. So technically now she's not dead? Um, I, I'll look in a second here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I'm sorry, Michael, because I know you really wanted to interview her. Yeah, and I, I had just talked to her, well, not that recently, but um, within three months ago, three, four months ago, mm -hmm. and she was going to come on the show, and we had talked maybe three, four times, I believe, mm -hmm. and she, she was a great, a great person, by the way. Yeah, uh, she really liked you. Obviously a little wild, but it seemed like she kind of played up that persona mm -hmm. ever so slightly. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah. that's not maybe that's not true. I don't know because we do wear three different masks, as you know. Oh yeah. So I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I'm just kind of sad and uh, taken back by all of that. And of course, she was a regular on the Howard Stern show. Mm -hmm. And now she's gone, folks. Just like that. Well, rest in peace, Nicole. Oh yeah. Terrible. And no, of course, I would never had put her on on the celebrity death pool. For no, those who are. That kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, for those who are thinking about that sort of thing. Not even. No. By the way, um, it, it's raining right now out here. Yeah, it's, it, so it was colder in Some El storm. Centro today mm -hmm. than it was in Chicago. There's a crazy storm out here, out here in uh, Southern California. I believe three people have died. 
died from what? Well, some some guy I believe was executed, and then one Jesus, one other. What do you mean executed? He well, he was well, he was executed by the electricity that ran through his oh body. Oh my God! Yeah, he was struck by lightning. Yeah, and then another guy drowned. He didn't live to tell, like Daniel. No, he wasn't as no. lucky. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. A, a tree, I believe, um, brought Jesus down power God. lines and took him out. I'm not. I don't have that article, oh, but I do remember. Um, I don't mean to laugh, but I do remember reading that. <laughs> what what a way to die, right? A, a damn tree falls over some power lines, and uh, luckily you're just standing there or nearby, and it kills you. Luckily, <laughs> right? Jesus. Wow. Yeah, you guys don't know how to handle weather like we do here. Not, in no, people Chicago, lose, the land of thunderstorms. People lose their minds when it rains out here. <laughs> they 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 lose it. I'm not kidding. Yeah, so it was 70 degrees here today in Chicago, and you guys told me earlier it was like 58. 58. What the hell is yeah. that? What? What happened? 58 in El Centro? Come yeah, on. it's freezing. <laughs> well, not really freezing. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but the rain doesn't help. I hate the rain. Can't stand the goddamn rain. So, yeah, I got sick. Um, I just want to say really quickly, I I think I'm going to do something about this. There should be a law where you can't fly if you're sick. Because most Southwest Airlines flights are full to the max since, you know, it's no frills. It's cheap. I um, always get the early bird. I got a seat on the aisle. This fat fuck, I'm sorry, sat in the middle. She coughed the entire way. I mean, hacked, like disgusting phlegm hack. And now I'm sick. And now you're now you're done. And now I'm sick. And you can't do that to people. You can't cough and sneeze on an airplane for four and a half hours. Well, from LAX to Chicago, the return is a little shorter. I think the outbound is four and a half and the inbound is like three and a half. You can't do that to people. You really can't. She coughed the whole time. I wonder how many other people she got sick. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Oh, it happens. Yeah, everyone's getting sick out here, by the way. Hopefully everyone listening at, at home isn't getting sick. Well, I usually um, pop coldies when I fly. I've been flying to California a lot over this past year, and um, I usually get sick. So got to wash those hands, people. For sure, for sure. And I, I did want to mention another thing. You know, every time we actually have these really interesting conversations, they usually go down over dinner. You mean you and I? Yeah. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> we definitely have to get mic'd up one day and, and do it that way, do a, you, a live show. There was one dinner that we had where I was dying because I wanted to record you so bad. You were so on. And I'll, that, what you said is gone forever. And I will regret that till the day I die because I wish I had that. It was hilarious, right? Recorded. Yeah. You were so, I've never seen you or heard you so on before. Yeah. That was fun. Why would anybody put a (laughs) pool on the fourth floor? I went off, didn't I? That's all I'm going to say. And then, oh, why do they put an orange on your blue moon beer? Oh, and I argued (laughs) with, with the waiter. We went back and forth on that one, yeah. You you were merciless. Jesus, Jesus. Why, why that did I, poor guy. Why did I do that? I hope he's okay. I traumatized him. I just hope he's okay. Yeah, he'll be fine. Damn. He'll be fine. You were you would not let it go, and you were so good. 
I wouldn't let it yeah. go. And I, yeah. I really didn't want to let it go. That was, <laughs> it was too good. I wish people could have listened to that. That was yeah, funny. That was great. But I was not in my right mind to, uh, open up the voice recorder app on my phone and get that down. I don't think any of us were in our right minds. Was what was the answer, Michael, by the way? What was the answer to that question? Why do they serve Blue Moon beer with an orange slice? Well, he gave me a long answer, by the way, but it took... It was convoluted. It and took... Um, how long did it take for someone to answer that one? About an hour, perhaps? He was shaking. He This waiter was shaking. He came back and reciting song and verse on the making of this beer and the history <laughs> of this beer. Oh, my... And how it was conceived and formulated. And no wonder we can't remember. We were laughing so hard. We, we were la- we couldn't take him seriously after that. No, but. Oh, can you? Guy. Yeah. I feel bad about that one for sure. So yeah, we're going to have to do a, a segment like that, Laura, where we just discuss things. Yeah. And just go on. You want, you want to yeah. record our dinner conversation. We just go straight, straight with it every now and then because, uh, it, it's Something too always good. happens. That's it's too why. crazy. It's too hilarious. Like going to the restroom at the Cheesecake Factory, there were all these Muslim women in line, oh and I couldn't go. And so I started swearing. Oh my god! <laughs> this is bad. Yeah, it was. Yeah, bad. it was. It was bad the whole time. It was bad, but um, we we definitely can't get too into detail about that one. I know you have two guests tonight, so I won't. I don't yeah. want to take up too much time. Well, one of those guests, I'm not sure what happened to her, but the other one is ready, ready to go. Ready to go? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I do want to thank you for, for hanging out with me here. Oh, thanks for having me anytime. Awesome. We'll talk very soon. Okay, Michael. Right. Have a great show. All right. Okay. Take care, Laura. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye. Mm-hmm. And that was Laura. Fun times there. Let's see what's going on with uh, my second guest here. See if she is ready. Let's see if Nancy is ready here. Let's give her a call. Maybe she's ready. Maybe she's not. Oh, Nancy, are you there? Uh, uh, yes. Why would you dread that I would not? Ah, well, <laughs> you know what happened. These, I, I do know what happened, so these, don't worry. Yes, these live shows, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, yes, I've been there and done that. Yeah, actually, you have a show, correct? Or you did have a show at one time? I did have a show. I, I used to have a, uh, a CBS show. It ran for about four years. Yes, and joining me here live, folks, is Nancy Dutetra, and I sure hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Very well, yeah. Oh, okay, I did. Yeah. Perfect. Just making sure. So you did have uh, your own show, and tell me a little bit about that. Now I'm just completely interested. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, as I'm sure that uh, you've experienced, it's absolutely terrifying when you're doing it live. It's so terrifying. Oh, yeah, because you never know what's going to happen, and you are at the mercy of uh, your guests' uh, memories and technologies. So, uh, you know, sometimes they forget, sometimes oops, or sometimes uh, they get caught in traffic. I had uh, one interview that I did. Um, this was supposed to be with, uh, it was with John Alexander, and uh, he got caught in the middle of traffic so my producer and I did sort of a song and a dance for a while and finally I was told well well we're stuck in traffic before we get to our hotel why don't you why don't you interview my wife <laughs> so I ended up interviewing oh. his wife uh thankfully I knew at least a little something about her but 
you know, hadn't really anticipated doing an interview and then finally got around to the interview. I've had other people who just, you know, oops, we forgot. So sorry. Or, uh, you know, their technology, whatever they're using is too awful. It, it's can be a nightmare, but it's very exciting. And, um, you know, you can get some very interesting, um, things to happen. Yeah. That's a scary dynamic. <laughs> yes, it is. And how yeah. long, how long were you doing that, by the way? I did that for about four years. And I have, uh, a lot of my interviews I have archived on my website, which is called theskepticalpsychic.com. And, uh, so, you know, so people can still listen to them. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I also did want to say thank you very much for being on the program now. Um, end of days, the Michael Deacon program for those who are just tuning in now. Uh, joining me here is Nancy Dutetra. And, um, I do want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself, uh, to the newer listeners out there since this is your first rodeo here on the program. First rodeo on your program. Uh, um, let's see. You want me to introduce myself? Uh, yeah. to start with birth. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to the roots. Let's, um, start <laughs> from <right>. scratch. <laughs> Let me see. Okay. So my very first memory was when I was two years old. No, I, I, and it was actually, but I'm not going to take you back that far. Um, the nutshell version of me, uh, is that I, uh, I'm an attorney. I'm, uh, specialized in securities litigation and corporate law. Uh, I have run a bunch of businesses in my lifetime. Um, and I did kind of a strange detour, uh, rather, you know, late in the game and became a, uh, fully trained psychic detective. I was apprenticed for about a decade to a well-known, uh, psychic detective, Nancy Lauren Weber. I became a trained spiritual medium, a trained remote viewer, uh, trained in, in military style CRV and also ARV. Uh, I'm a paranormal investigator, uh, medical intuitive, uh, energy worker. Uh, what else? By the way, uh, your, your show was called Hot Leads Cold Cases, uh, CBS, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. It was on, there we uh, go. I started it out on Parax and uh then moved it up to uh CBS. That's, yeah, a, was, that's impressive, least, by the way. Well, thank you. Good job. Thanks. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with it. And I got to uh as I'm sure you get to do, just interview some of the most fascinating people in the world. I, I Oh yes. I, I was interviewing uh, you know, world famous uh psychics and mediums and uh, neuroscientists astrophysicists um uh FBI CIA uh uh I don't know what you would call them officials or uh yeah officials that's good enough uh poker players people in alternative health industries um psychologists um astrobiologists uh, you, you name it I was just I I had so much fun with that it was really a cool thing. So yeah, and so I did that also for a while. Um I've written five books, uh or published five books. Um I lecture on all different topics. Um, you know, anything from remote viewing to um mediumship, psychic detective work. I've even going if you go take me back far enough, uh I've lectured on securities litigation and uh Yes, an attorney. And French porcelain. So yeah. 
I do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, you really have done a whole lot. Oh, yes, and I forgot to mention uh, ufology. That's sort of been my my latest foray, and uh, my latest book is actually uh, it, I've, I've sort of created a, a specialty uh, within the field uh, having to do with alien communication. Oh, yes, and we're going to get into that, too. But like I said, we're going back to your roots here, and I, I am just curious. Did you have a normal childhood, if you could define it as normal? <laughs> yeah, sure. Of course I did. Until I, what uh, happened? What happened in your in your story? In my story? Yes. Uh, when did all of these things start happening for you? Oh no no no! None of these things started happening. This is all by choice as a uh, middle aged person where I just did a a crazy detour. Yes, uh, but I'm I'm curious how this began for you. Um, was there an individual that you talked to that put these ideas in your mind? Oh no. No, absolutely not. Oh, this was you just seeking, you're just curious about these sort of things. You know, when I was a kid, if you want to go back to being a kid, uh, first of all, we moved every two years. Um, oh, that must have been tough. Uh, it was fun until I got a little bit older and then it was harder. Right. Um, when I was eight years old, because everyone in my family was allergic to animals with fur, uh, the only pets I was allowed to have were uh, reptiles. Or turtles or fish or that kind of thing. Anyway, I mm-hmm. had at one time 13 chameleons. Thir- wow, 13. I loved my chameleons. Not just had, one or two, 13. I had 13, but I had a favorite chameleon, uh, who, and I named this chameleon Curiosity. And I used to, I taught Curiosity how to jump over this, uh, like toy bridge and I'd feed him mealworms, you know, if he did a good job with it. Uh, yes. And mm-hmm. other Tinker Toy stuff. I mean, he was doing he was doing chameleon tricks. And at one point, and, and I was eight, I I wrote a book about curiosity. So um, my point is that ever since I was really little, I have always had great respect for curiosity. I mean, that's mm. just the essence of if you want to know everything about life, existence, the world why we do what we do and why things are the way they are, you better get curious really fast because life is short. Very short. Yeah. Almost too short. I agree. Mm-hmm. What about sleep? Any unusual sleeping patterns, any unusual dreams, any lights in the sky, any um, sleep paralysis? Did you ever experience that growing up? No, never. No, no. I'm... uh now, the only thing that I started doing very young was uh, lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming. There we go. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty frightening for those who aren't aware and they find out much later what's going on and then everything starts clicking for them. And um, the reason why I asked you about this was I, I usually see specific patterns amongst various individuals who are contactees or they are remote viewers or they are... I guess you could say clairvoyant, some of them. It seems like a lot of these individuals, they go through um, either sleep paralysis or they are just naturally lucid dreamers. There's all these little traits I'm noticing in a lot of different guests that I speak to. Um, yeah, and I, I don't really classify myself along with, you know, all the natural psychics or the folks who were being abducted starting at very young ages because I don't believe I've had those experiences. Um, 
my my first lucid dream that I can remember was uh, when I was eight, and I was it was at the time we were living in Chicago. And I was, it was a very realistic dream. And I went next door to, I had a little friend who lived next door. We lived in a, a row of uh, townhouses in, in the south side of Chicago, bad part of town. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Uh, uh, I went over there to, to, for like a play date with this kid. And I remember his mother came into the little living room area and she was talking and talking. And I was really bored in my dream. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to get out. I, I don't want to be in the stream. So I knew that if I did a backflip that I could sort of flip myself right out of the dream, which I did, mm. mm-hmm. which is great because it, it kind of taught me, uh, very early on that I have all kinds of control, um, when I'm dreaming and I continue to have all kinds of control when I'm dreaming. And I remember that's the I, best, by the way, when you have that control and you learn to master that control. Oh yeah. And uh, the other key I think is uh memory. And so I do remember most of my dreams every night. Um Oh, do you? That's very difficult. Well, at least it is for me. I I'm also very good at lucid dreaming and uh, for me it's always the beginning of the dream that seems to be missing. Nowadays I'm starting to pick up on the middle and and the end, but the beginning of the dream is now proving to be very difficult for me to remember. Yeah, the beginning of the dream, meaning whatever it is that you dream about early on in the evening, or well, just when these dreams start to um, become extremely lucid in my mind. Really? Mm-hmm. It's that beginning part. I it, it's always missing for me. Those bits and fragments of, I guess you could say, film seems to be lacking in my memory. Yeah, but maybe you don't. Whatever it is, you don't need it. Maybe it's the, probably the, that. Or my body is just protecting me from those dreams, naturally. Uh, could be. Could be, yeah. Yeah. No one really has any one answer for that, by the way. That's, I, I've never heard anybody say that before, so I'm thinking about that. I'm, I'm trying to compare it to what I remember about my dreams in terms of, you know, beginning, middle, and end. You, rem- you usually remember the end because then you wake up and you have those bits and pieces of fragments there. Oh, I go through epic dreams. I mean, they're truly, in fact, I, th- I, that's what I call them is th- these are my epic dreams. I have other yeah. dreams that are, you know, resolution dreams or, you know, I have all kinds of different names for whatever they are. But the epic ones, I mean, they're I have like, one of those too. like a 500 page novel, you know. Do you have an op- uh, apocalyptic um, dream at all? Apocalyptic. I have one that's reoccurring that involves uh, aliens invading the earth, this island earth, rather, I like to call it. Oh, have you, can you, do you mind telling me or? <laughs> sure. It, it, it's a terrible dream though. I don't really like it. It's just, it's really beautiful by the way, even though there's so much destruction that goes on in the dream. What happens? Well, it's usually daytime. And oh, by the way, I must ask you when you dream, by the way, are you dreaming in black, black and white or in color? I know. I always dream in color. And um, men typically, more often than women, will dream in black and white. I was going to say, I dream in black and white, but at times it's in color. But when it's in color, it's, it's extremely psychedelic, the way these things look. The colors are, are very intense and 
Very beautiful. And let me just explain really quickly. It's daytime usually in this dream that I keep having. And I've been having it since uh, maybe since I was about 10 years old. And I've been, yeah, this has been going on. And usually it starts off and it's daytime and it's a little bit cloudy. And all of a sudden the clouds part and night turns or day turns into night rather in a second. And some sort of spaceship arrives very quietly by the way, very, very quietly, and then start shooting down some sort of beam. And that's when all the destruction happens and everything's getting blown up. But when all this is going on, there's all these different light trails that are going off, and it, it just looks beautiful in the dream, by the way. Like I said, even though there's destruction and all this mayhem going off, it's still one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in, in a dream. How scary is that, by the way? It, that that is pretty scary actually i it really is i find it well usually uh in, as it pertains to you know aliens ufo's that kind of thing uh if people have been having these dreams if they're repeated dreams okay there's almost mm-hmm. always a clairvoyant uh aspect to it yeah that must mean something it absolutely, I mean, I, I have no doubt that means something. Yeah, ancient cultures always talked about the importance of dreams and trying to remember them. It's interesting that the, these beams that they shoot down, uh, you see them as, as like, uh, like death rays that they're shooting down on different parts of the planet. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they're not like, in other words, your mind couldn't have misinterpreted, say, some of the beams that they send down to uh, pull people up into their craft. Your mind wouldn't have switched that around. Mm, it, perhaps, but this this looked like um, this looked like something else. Wow! Did you see the movie Arrival? No, I haven't seen it yet. By the way. Yeah, you might want to. <laughs> some people like it. Some people don't. And by the way, someone keeps calling here. I'm not sure if it's um, for you or for me, but let's see what, what this person wants really quickly here. And if they're not entertaining, I'll just hang up on them. Hello, you are live on the air with myself and Nancy. Did you have a question? Yeah, I had a question for Nancy, and I had a question for uh, for Michael as well. Um, have you guys ever had any wet dreams? What was that? Have you guys ever had any wet dreams? Any wet dreams? Yes. Well, sure. Who hasn't? Nancy, have you had a lot of wet dreams, honey? Uh, have you? I sure have, yes. I have a lot of leakage. Oh, my. Do you? My goodness. This seems Nancy, like... Nancy, uh, tell us about those. Yes, this seemed like a, a strange individual there. I'm sorry about that, Nancy. Wow. That's all right. Yeah. But, of course, um, carrying on here, definitely, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, you should definitely get that checked out. I don't think it's um, good to... Wet the bed uh, uh, past a certain age. I think you, your guest has leakage of the brain. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, um, what was I going to say? Yes, that is. That's part of the joys of uh, of live radio. There you go. Oh, what I love that though. It's it's hilarious. So let's mm-hmm. see. So you know, we were on a really good topic here. You, so your your dream. My you, dream. Your dream started when you were about ten. And then mm-hmm. it, it, how many times do you think it's, uh, you've redreamt it? Wow. It's hard to imagine, but at least over 35 times easy. Way over 35 times at least. So there's something to it. And if you, I think so. Uh, 
Oh, you were going to, yeah, this movie Arrival. Arrival, right. It's really, uh, you liked it. Well, yeah. And, uh, I actually, I was invited, uh, by Paramount to go and see the pre, uh, screening of it. So, uh, it was very, um, it it was very intense for me because the main character in this movie is, is basically, um, doing what I have been focusing on now for quite a while, which, and, and that there are, weird similarities between her and me such a, and she's for example she's the linguist who i mean for people who don't know and i'm not going to do any you know spoiler stuff but um you have <laughs> a bunch of giant spaceships that uh, suddenly show up around earth and then this female uh linguist gets called in to try and translate the alien language and you yourself are a linguist yeah, and the funny thing is that she teaches uh romance she's a professor of romance languages. Well, that's what I majored in. And uh in co- when I was in college, and in fact I was I got a uh an award for my thesis that was done in the that field. And I also have um studied uh German and Thai languages. So, um and she was also speaking Chinese, I think. She in in the movie, if you look at her living room, she's got uh uh the, the living room looks out on a lake and there's a telescope in the living room. Well, I have exactly the same setup. Oh, the same, yeah. So it it I mean it just sort of went on and on and on. So and and also because I am trained in uh the psychic field, um the fact that she suddenly sort of zooms into this kind of uh, strange um, psychic, uh, different types of psychic phenomena, you know, going forwards and backwards in time and all over the place. Uh, the more she's dealing with these aliens, um, you know, of course, to me, that makes perfect sense. I'm that, uh, But I came at it sort of the other way, more through the psychic paranormal field and then into ufology. Yeah, it does seem like a pretty interesting movie and... I I do have the opportunity opportunity to watch it soon. I I think I have I think I have a copy of it somewhere here. So I'll I'll get a chance and watch that. By the way, yeah, it's a really I think it's a complex movie. A lot of people I think struggle with understanding. You know, what's the stuff about time? To me, it's really obvious. I get it, and it's only I mean, people will ultimately understand that movie, and it. Once they do, they may better understand the scenario in your dream. Oh, okay. Now I, now I do want to watch the movie even more so. Yeah. And that's the arrival for those who didn't hear that part. Are there any other films, by the way, that you like that are related to ufology? Um, I always got a kick out of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which Spielberg did, uh, based on real documents. Um, so, that was always kind of fascinating to me, but the, the one of my absolute favorite things, and now since I've had my own pretty dramatic experiences, um, I I just think it's hilarious when um, I've, oh, I've forgotten the actor's name, but you know the guy who's building the replica of the devil's whatever it's called, the the uh, that sort of plateau shaped uh, mountain where ultimately they all go to, and that that's where the spaceship yes. is landing, but they're all mm-hmm. obsessed with it. And the guy is throwing dirt in through his kitchen window and he's got mud all over the place and 
you know, the wife and the kids think he's gone insane. And <laughs> every time I see that, I just think, oh, you know, it, it's good. It's good because once you get connected to this stuff, once you understand uh, a reality of it, you, you do get obsessed. You, it makes you crazy because you, you want it to happen again so that you can confirm that it happened before. Oh, yes. I, so I think we all want something like that to happen to us after we experience it the first time. Yeah. So that I love. I was never really, um, you know, I'm not a Star Wars. Not in a Star Wars. I, I could, I could, I could understand actually. I'm not that big into these latest renditions of, of Star Wars. I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. I don't really feel it either. I mean, to yeah, me, they it's... were always, you know what a morality play is? I do. Okay. Star, mm-hmm. Star Trek, Star Wars, all of these things to me were like, like the old morality plays from like the, the 11th century. The old, yes. You know, where right. there's a story, but it, it has very clear characters, you know, with good and evil and every, everything is very clear. Male, female, everybody knows their place. And to me, they were kind of simple versions of that. So I never got too excited about it. That's kind of the way it is for most mainstream movies nowadays. It's it's terrible that formula that you speak of. Um, it's one that plagues all of the mainstream movies that are just so um, popular and they saturate everything. This these uh, specific formulas that we are talking about here. It's um it's very ancient, like you said. It's a very old concept that they keep doing and it makes you, it really makes you think and, and wonder why can't all these people just come up with a new type of storyline, a, a new format to go instead of rehashing these old films all the time. Yeah. Well, it, it's called creativity and imagination and, and people are lacking that, right? <laughs> it's a little hard to come by. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible though. So many minds out there that are so great and. It, it just, well, it frustrates me actually because it's like we're getting fed the same story every time. Yeah, right. And, um, obviously, you know, people got to make their money back through the box office and, um, but everything is sort of geared towards the lowest common denominator, which is oh, like yeah. another reason why right. I really like this movie Arrival and because it's, it's really out of the box. It's just, Really different. Out of the box. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. Seems like um, a lot of people like it. Some people don't. Some people didn't like the ending. Some people think it's overhyped. But that's every movie. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Can't win them all. No. So that also makes me um, wanting to ask you here about being a psychic detective. Can we talk a little bit about that? What do you want to know? Well, how did that originate for you? That originated... You weren't uh, a born psychic, so... No, certainly not a born psychic. Um, uh, I started writing a book, which I thought was going to be about the psychology of intuition. Um, It it ended up, ultimately, after, you know, more than 10 years, becoming my... uh, It's a book called Psychic Intuition, Everything You Wanted to Ask But Were Afraid to Know. And, um, I, I thought that it, you know, I could get all my answers straight away from, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists and medical people and whatever, and that they would tell me what, um, intuition was. And mm-hmm. what I was, they just weren't interested in it. 
at all. I read a bunch of neuroscience because I thought maybe the neuroscientists would tell me something about it. They were seriously not interested in intuition because it's too subjective. You can't measure it, can't quantify yeah, it. They don't understand it either. And yes, and, and well, yeah, and that gets you into much more complicated aspect of it, which is that, um, people who don't understand, uh, their various perceptions of the world get shut down in certain ways mm-hmm. so that you begin to only see what you can understand. Okay. Which is why, yeah, they have a, an actual real reality, uh, and it isn't the same as somebody else's real reality who has a different way to perceive the world at any rate that that sort of gets you a little bit on too much of a complicated track but so so i ended up just talking because i was sort of desperate at that point talking to anybody uh who i thought was intuitive or who could tell me about intuition and i didn't care about what their their credentials were anymore it's you know kind of whoever so i ended up for the first time in my life really um Meeting and talking to psychics and, and mediums and medical intuitives and, and paranormal people and whatever. And great folks. Was that? I said great folks. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. you go. And, uh, I saw this woman on TV and, um, her name was Nancy Orwin Weber. She was, uh, and still is a well-known psychic detective. She's done a lot of TV work. Um, and she was being interviewed. So I called up the station afterwards and I said, would you mind, um, could you, you know, give me her phone number, her email info. address, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they put me in touch with her. So I email her and I say, you know, I would love to interview you from my book and I will travel anywhere around the country, wherever you are. Um, just let me know. And she said, well, where are you? Where are you located? And I said, oh, well, you know, I'm in this little town that nobody's ever heard of in New Jersey. And I told her the name of the town and she basically, I mean, I could hear her laughing through her email. She said, okay, meet me over at the, I forget the name of the, the something cafe. Well, that cafe was, oh, four minutes from where I live. And it turns out she and I only lived, you know, five minutes from each other. So we met. And at that point I decided if I was really going to try and, understand intuition it's not like an academic topic where you can or an intellectual topic where you can just sort of explain it you have to live it It, it's an experiential thing i agree so i said to myself well okay fine i'll sit in on her classes that she does or training that she does for psychic detective work and eventually you know they all dragged me into it and uh I, I did that for 10 years and, uh, it was through that process that I learned to trust that I actually have some ability. Um, and then I'm, I was able to talk about it in my book. So that sort of, that put me on that track. But, uh, normally the kind of work that, um, I've done has been with normally missing persons, which end up in most cases being homicide cases. And, um, for me, uh, I, I really like that work because for me, it sort of satisfies the intellectual part of me, which looks at this all like it's a giant puzzle. Um, there are a lot of psychics who can't tolerate it. You know, it's, it's too morbid or grisly or awful or negative or whatever you want to call it. And they just, you know, they'd rather deal with things that are rainbows and healing and, 
love and light and this, that, and the other. But for me, um, it was like solving a puzzle. And if you could solve at least part of the puzzle, you're doing uh, a true service, particularly for the um, victims' families. You know, I, I have to quickly stop you there and just say I'm glad you didn't mention the name Sylvia Brown because anytime I read the word psychic detective, my active imagination goes straight to Sylvia Brown. <laughs> and, um, you know, on that subject, I can't help it. I, I must know your opinion on Miss Sylvia, on the late Sylvia Brown, rather. Lots of times, for those that don't know, many times she was wrong about many of her predictions. Okay, so to, how do you say this, to her credit or to her, you know, to every psychic is going to be wrong about stuff. Sure. Every single. Sure. And I have known the best of the best of the best in the world, and everybody, all of us, are wrong, you know, here, there, or wherever. It's just inevitable for a number of reasons, which I could certainly talk to you about. But, um, yeah, she ended up, I, I used to watch her, uh, she... Montel Williams used to have her on regularly. All the time. Well, yeah. Yeah. She was really white hot during that time, and I believe she was making like a minimum of like 847 uh, each time she would appear on one of these talk shows. Oh, and, thousand. <laughs> well, I'm not sure exactly on those numbers, but they're high. Let's I don't just know. Leave I it at that. She was. She was. Uh, if I recall, and I could have this wrong, it could be just people, you know, in her caliber. But they were all charging at least for their um, hourly readings, and we're going way, way back now. So w- what was that? That would that would have been like uh, I don't know, more than 20 years ago. She was charging about I think $800 an hour for her readings, and I watched her do some of her. You know, she do uh, readings from the audience, and I could see on the reactions of people uh, when she was just wrong. She was off. But she would insist, she would push, and she would dismiss them and then on to something else. And and there's a really fine line in this kind of work. Cause it you- really is. It really is. And I, I just want to say I, I I want to discern from that sort of thing. Yeah. You have to trust yourself enough that even when a person doesn't quite, you know, can't put all the pieces together because they're kind of, it's like a dream. Sometimes you can't really figure out what the dream means until you've really looked at it, and then you get a chance to think about it. And then you, you come back and say, oh, yeah, that's what that dream was about. A lot of people, when you're feeding them uh, psychic information, you know, so all of a sudden they can't remember who their aunts and uncles are. They don't remember names. Um, you know, stuff gets – they just don't put the pieces together. So sometimes you have to kind of stick to your guns and just say, well, you know, this is the only thing that's coming through. So maybe – what I tell people is, you know, put that under your hat, think about it. But I don't do what I recall that she was doing, which was um, sort of outright telling, oh, you're wrong. You know, you're wrong. I'm right. And, nah, to me, I, I I don't like that. And I wouldn't go for that. She used to she did another thing that always kind of uh, bugged me, which was um, I think at one point she claimed to have gone to uh, Gettysburg. And, uh, which is, I don't know if you've made, you know, trips there or not. Oh no, I, I would like to though, eventually. It's extremely haunted. And I've had many, many, many paranormal experiences there. Mm. Um, as have all of my friends who have gone there. 
I mean, it's just really haunted. There are an awful lot of, uh, you know, you have the souls of, you know, 51,000, um, soldiers who, who died there. Yes. And at one point, I believe she claimed, Sylvia Brown did, that she had gone there and she had sent them all to the light. She had cleared out the whole damn place. By, by the way, just let me quickly say, I, I don't mean to be so hard on the late Sylvia Brown, by the way. I don't want to make it sound like I'm beating her up. Oh, I don't think you were. I think I was starting to. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just that, you know, I, I look back and I, I know for a fact that some of her words really crushed many families out there. Well, and that's the danger. Uh that's always the danger. That's, yes, and that's why I always want to be careful about the subject. Well, you have to. And, yeah. and it's terrifying when you are doing readings for families who they have usually a child who has gone missing. And you may see things or understand things that you believe probably happened, but they would be way too devastating if you just kind of put them out there for these people. Um, and, and also what if you say something that's wrong? That's also, that's as devastating, if not more so. It's a huge amount of responsibility. So, so I, I, you know, I'm also trained in, um, intuitive gestalt psychotherapy and I've done it more than 20 years in that. And it's helped me because it helps me to understand people. And a lot of psychics kind of, they may be superb psychics. Excellent. Um, but if they don't deliver information the correct way or ethically or gently, um, then they've done a really bad disservice to the, their clients and, and also ultimately to sort of the whole business of, of, uh, psychics. Yes. Very, very true. Not gonna, not gonna argue about that, by the way, with you. I definitely feel the same way about that and, I know for sure not everyone is going to be 100% accurate on their readings they do. So going back to being a psychic detective, um, is it all right if you tell us who you helped out? Um, I mean, I can't tell you the cases. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't tell me that much, but I can tell you, I mean, most of them were, uh, cold cases where, uh, Police and law enforcement had pretty much used up all of their research resources and hadn't come to any answers or conclusions, or they were reopening cases based on um, new information and then trying to work their way through them. Um, but I, I mean, there were there were situations where uh, I the the one place where I would sort of um, douse, I guess you might call it, on a map. I don't really douse much, but I I sort of will tune in on maps. Um, uh, had, well, these were the exact, I mean, to the pinpoint locations, places, the only places where the police had been uh, either dredging or excavating, looking for the bodies. Um, I tuned in to witnesses' names, suspects' names, um, the way that they, uh, their physical descriptions, um, things like that. So, Whatever I was doing, I was trying to find um, really practical information that the police could use to further their own investigations. 
I mean, that was the whole point of that. That's the way I looked at what I was doing. And um, so I got driven around in, you know, by the police and, in, in, you know, the things <laughs> and things. And right. I got shown suspects and where, certain places where suspects uh, were either living or working. And uh, I can tell you that that's a really creepy thing when you're, you know, you, you get out of the, the van at a certain point, you're walking around and you're looking at somebody who, you know, absolutely, you know, or is a serial killer. Um, and they're looking at you. Uh, it, the, so mm-hmm. there's, um, I think you have to be a little bit courageous to do this kind of work also. Um, you know, it's different from when you're sitting on the other end of a telephone doing a, a reading for somebody. Oh yeah. Um, but it's when you, when you can really, uh, hit some things, you know, nail on the head kind of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's very powerful. Also, you have to, uh, I'm not very good at doing, uh, cleansing type of stuff. Some people do sort of after, after they've done, uh, readings or have done energy work on people, uh, you know, they'll sort of do cleansings of, of their own energy fields and that kind of thing. I was never wonderful at that, but I can tell you that in some of the most disgusting uh, cases that I mm-hmm. had done, they involved, uh, murders of very young children. Oh no. Or, you know, sexual assaults and that kind of thing. Yes. And, uh, there was one particular case where I had, uh, for whatever reason, uh, tuned into the mind of the suspect and not as much the victim. And once I got into the head of the suspect, it was, just the most revolting thing. Oh my, yeah. You just want to be taking a bath for about the next, <laughs> you know, because you just can't scrub it off. A bath with some bleach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and those are rough. Yeah. You know, those stick with you. A lot of people don't understand how difficult law enforcement really is. It's, that's, that's correct. It, it ta- that's it's not for everyone. It really I, isn't. I ended up, uh, uh, sort of, co-writing or, or helping to put together a book. Uh, I was friends with a uh, former homicide detective from uh, Staten Island, and uh, I ended up working with him to publish his memoirs. And in helping, you know, in doing that writing, you know, sometimes when you're doing writing, you have to be, you also have to get yourself into somebody else's brain, and then you have to feel that you see what they see and experience what they do and then speak like them. So it's this very almost sort of um, empathic type experience working on a book. So, I mean, he had the most, the craziest stories about stuff. I mean, all over New York City. Um, and he eventually at the, you know, at the end of his, his career and at the end of this book uh, really talks about, uh, I mean, the last scene is when there's a, a woman who's the, the the cops all show up and to a basement. The the woman's body is in the middle of the the basement, and her I think her brain splatter is you know all over the walls and dripping off the ceiling and that kind of stuff. And the cops are are uh, have just finished um, ordering their they got their breakfast and they're all eating their you know donuts and scrambled eggs and whatever in there. And he finally just came to this. The picture became so vivid for him. He said, that's it. I'm done. I, I can't do this anymore. 
you know. So uh actual homicide detectives, I mean, burn out very easily. Yeah, I and, would imagine. Psychic uh detectives who get mostly involved in homicides also can burn out really easily because you're taking your most delicate, fragile perceptions and you're going straight there. And it's it's rough. Yeah, it could take a lot out of you. Absolutely. Definitely. So I take it they must have given you a number of ride-alongs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. Yeah, that's something I, I recommend most people do if they ever get a chance to. Go on a local ride-along in a very bad area and um, see how that goes for you. Yeah. Yep, you'll be reminded pretty quickly what's going on. Have you done that? I've done it many times, yeah. Ah. Many different violent places I've been. Oh, interesting. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's some bad locations out there, and I, I always worry. Thank God I'm not doing that for a living. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it's rough, I'm telling you. You see the, the most awful people in society most of the time. So that could really alter your perception quickly. Yeah. Mm hmm. Definitely. Um, doing that for a number of years, it could really mess up someone's mind. So. Yeah. So then you, mm-hmm. you take yourself out. You do various other alternative types of things, healing things, and you get yourself back together again. For sure. Um, can we quickly talk a little bit about your remote viewing training? Sure. What do you want to know? Who taught you exactly? Um, well, uh, Lynn Buchanan. Oh, okay. Uh, did, you know, my, uh, yeah, training through that. Uh, also I've been, uh, training in, uh, ARV, which is, uh, I'd sort of been self-training in that for a long time, but now I'm doing that with, um, uh, Marty Rosenblatt's group. And I, I also, uh, I mean, early on my, one of my mentors was Ingo Swan. Uh, I didn't, train with him but he was a mentor to me mm, okay by the way did something happen to lynn buchanan recently yeah he had a real heart uh it was a heart issue apparently oh, and a, that's what happened yeah he had a scary he passed out a couple of times and then they ran a bunch of tests on him and uh, he's doing okay now okay well i'm glad to hear that seems like lots of people are dropping like flies uh who, what other people are you thinking of Oh, well, there was a, a lady, uh, a woman that passed away named Nicole Bass recently. I don't know her. Yeah, she, she was a, she was a lot of things, but I, I'm just, I'm just saying lots of people are, are, are falling out. So I'm glad he's okay though. Yeah. Yeah. So, so am I. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, I, I think he's extremely good at what he does. He's really, um, he's highly, highly intuitive and, and just brilliant. So I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to have uh, trained with him. Yeah, that's really cool. Not many people can say that. Yeah. So let's also talk about your book. I think I think it's about time we mention it here and get into it a little bit. Now, which one are you talking about? You're talking about my latest book, How to Talk how, to Me? Yeah, let's get into that quickly here. Sure. So how long did that that book take for you to write? Well, funny you should ask that. Um I, <laughs> every, every book that I have written has taken me 10 years. Oh, okay. So you, you put some time into this one then. Absolutely not. 
Oh, no. I, uh, I got the idea for it. I'm not quite sure why or how. I went, uh, asked my publisher for a meeting. I said, listen, I want to pitch an idea. What do you think? And he said, okay, I'll, you know, sounds good. We'll, we'll go with this. And I said, well, do you think you'd be able to get it, uh, fully, you know, out in print in time for my move on presentation? Uh, which I did in, um, it, uh, when was it? it was September 2015 or yeah, thereabouts. And so that basically when I spoke with him, it was December. So that was like, you know, nine months away. And he said, not really. I mean, not unless you can write this book in two months from and have everything perfect. All the, you know, all your editing done, all of your, you know, any photos or prints or whatever, everything perfect, perfect. Two months. And I said, oh, yeah, no problem, which, of course, was idiotic for me because every other book that I've ever done has taken me 10 years. So uh, I'm not quite sure what happened, but I wrote this in two months. And then wow. I had the book in time. It was crazy. Yeah, that is pretty quite crazy. You don't really hear too many people say, well, I wrote a book in two months. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty outrageous, actually. Yeah, yeah, because it's very heavily researched also. And you have uh, Stanton Friedman who wrote the forward to that. Yes, he did. And I was so pleased that he did that because um, I know that I completely took him out of his comfort zone because, you know, I, I took a lot of people out of their comfort zone on this. Um, I even took them out of their – I think um, I was the first psychic that they had allowed to speak uh, out of this uh, MUFON uh, International and, uh, when I, they wanted to know, you know, how to, how to bill me on their, their, uh, you know, their lineup. And I said, well, you know, you can call me a psychic, psychic detective, you know, or, you know, whatever you want to call me. And they said, well, how about we just call you a lawyer? <laughs> that's I so said, funny. Okay. If you want to call me a lawyer, that's fine. Frankly, I don't really care what anybody calls me anymore. Sure. Um, but I know I made people uncomfortable with that and then getting them, uh, sort of removed from the the idea of strictly looking at hard evidence like you know are there burn marks in the grass or do you have photographic evidence of a craft or you know a piece of crash material you know something like that and i was taking them into the realm of language and using language as a form of hard evidence and i was actually really surprised that Nobody seems to have really looked at it that way before. Um, but Stan was, uh, he was on board with it. And I, I credit him with that because I, that was great. Yeah. When was the last time you talked to him by, by the way? Oh, I don't know. It's been, it's been, been a while. It's been a while. Maybe since last year. Yeah. He's also someone who had a bit of a scare there. He did. Yeah. Cause I saw him, uh, that was in 2014. Mm -hmm. So after he had his heart scare. That's, yeah. that's frightening. Yeah. That's really frightening. I, I hope no one ever has to go through that. Uh, a heart scare? Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Heart problems and perhaps the chance of drowning or being, um, eaten by a snake are probably the worst ways to go out. Really? Yeah. As insane as that sounds, imagine drowning. Oh, I have. I've. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that, that is horrible. Drowning, not the most pleasant way to go. Yeah, I um, I ended up watching my 
husband's father drown. Oh, my God, really? Yeah, we took him on vacation. And uh, my husband was in the water with our daughter. He was way out in the water. And his father went into, I mean, it wasn't very deep. It was very gentle bay in the ocean. It was down in the Dominican Republic. And uh, my husband started screaming from the water. And I sort of jumped up and he pointed. And I I just went running. I didn't know what I why I was running, and I I went and I uh, pulled him out of the water. Um, and he was lucky. I mean, there were three doctors and two nurses. I think you know right there on the beach. Oh, so. he got so lucky then. Well, yeah, except they couldn't save him. So exactly. Died. Yeah, they were luck. Well, he wasn't that lucky though. Well, I think that that was his choice. I think that's. Oh, what- you think so? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people make choices about their death. Hmm. Um, I remember I had gone way back. I had an old boyfriend whose grandmother had been sick, really, really critically sick for like a year. And everybody figured, well, you know, she's on her last leg. She's going to go any second now. And that I think it was in the fall. And she said, no, I I want to see the first flowers of spring. And she hung on and hung on. Unbelievable. One day she got out of bed. She looked out her window. She saw the first flowers spring, went back to her bed, and she died. Hmm. That's powerful. I, I think we're all very powerful that way. I, I think we do make choices. And that's to say nothing about, you know, karmic choices that I think that we've probably already cut those deals and don't realize it. Yeah, that choice was already made in their mind. Yeah. Wow. Again, not the most pleasant way to go, however. Um, I have heard people because, yeah, of course, I tried to imagine what that felt like. And it seemed that had to be absolutely horrible. And yet descriptions of people who have had um, near death experiences involving drowning mm. almost mm-hmm. all said that actually there's a point where it's almost maybe pleasurable is the wrong word, but peaceful, peaceful. and calm and you know, no worries. That's so, kind of how I describe the cemetery, peaceful. Yeah. I can't really describe the ocean being peaceful, though. I don't know. You're talking to a Pisces. I mean. Oh, well, I had no clue. <laughs> by the by, the way, um, are, are you religious by any chance? Uh, I am certainly very spiritual. I am, I would say, minimally religious. But yeah, yeah. So there was religion going on in your household? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I got brought up. Uh, I had to go to Sunday school every Sunday. Oh, you were baptized as a teenager. I oh yes, of course. Plus, I did the uh, uh, whatever it is that you do. I, I got brought up in the Congregationalist Church, which is a very New England-based type of Protestantism. I'm not um, a very religious gentleman. However, I, I've studied. Oh, I can't say studied, but I, I've read into multiple religions and different things of that sort. I always say that I was baptized in moonlight. Oh, I like that. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. I like saying that. That's lovely. Oh, I I dig it for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just curious if perhaps um the work that you do now, how do your your folks feel about that? Because I, you know, for uh, those that don't know, I I'm part of my family. They are Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, wow. So, you know, these sort of subjects are pretty taboo. And, of course, I've talked to other 
other people of other religions. Um, an example, a, a pastor. I remember talking to him about exorcisms and um, different different religious texts, and he was very uncomfortable, and he didn't want to be on the program after all. Yeah, you know, when I first started to uh, explore a lot of the psychic stuff, um, my husband is uh, French, and he comes from a very, very, well, the second oldest family in France, um, very Catholic, and I remember trying to talk to his family about some of these, uh, you know, just really simple issues Mm -hmm. uh, with psychic work, and they flooded me with all kinds of, you know, Vatican literature about, you know, the Vatican propaganda. Well, yeah, yeah. For lack of a better word. Yeah. And it was sort of, um, it was a little bit of a knee jerk type reaction. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm familiar with the issues, but, but in doing, for example, in, in writing my book, Psychic Intuition, I address, um, the religious angles on this the same way I address the angles of, of scientific skeptics. Um, so I, I just think it's a little bit more complicated than, than people want it to be. You know, it's, I think a lot of people are just happier if there's a real clear black and white dividing line. And, you know, if you're this way, it's got to be bad. And they don't quite, and I'll give you the, all right, I'll give you an example. I did um, an interview with the top exorcist at the Vatican. And one of the things I found out was that he worked with psychics Mm. on exorcisms. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know, I didn't think that, you know, you were allowed to do that. I thought that was absolutely against the teachings of the church. And his explanation was that they were charismatics. And so I spent some time researching that. I, I didn't know what a charismatic was. And then the definition was somebody who works with a charism. Well, then what's right. a charism? Turns out a charism is certain gifts considered to come directly from God. Yeah, div- yeah the divine. Yeah, mm-hmm. like laying on of hands, speaking in tongues, uh, prophecy and prediction, healings, things like that. And I, oh, okay, well, yeah, I I do those. And yeah, I very quietly do believe I am working with God or uh, the divine in doing this type of work. So, and I understand that not all psychics see it that way. You know, people feel that they're working with different types of energies. Right. Different energies for sure. Yeah. It's very interesting. And going back to what we were just talking about quickly there, I, I do always mention every now and then that there really is no one answer to equal the sum of your questions, to be honest. Oh, I'm hearing all kinds of background noises. I'm sorry about that. If you can hear that. Uh, I can, what am I hearing? Oh, good. You can hear it then. There was all sorts of noise going on outside. Really? Yeah, there, there's a, a highway or freeway rather close by. And, um, I believe some sort, some sort of, um, truck passed by and they were very loud. Oh, I didn't hear it at all. Okay, great. I'm just making sure because I could hear it so clearly in my head here. Yeah, this microphone that I'm using just picks up everything. So. Sometimes I worry if people can hear that. Well, maybe your listeners have heard it, but I certainly didn't. So not not a problem. Okay, great. By the way, now I'm curious. Do you have any other books coming out? Um, I actually or anything I, in the works. 
Yeah, I'm working on a book. Um, uh, it's about politics. Oh, okay. Uh, I started this close to a year ago, and it's really not about current politics. It's about, I think, well, it's my, let me put it this way, somewhat radical vision of what I foresee and what I think is necessary in terms of our political future. Oh, that is interesting. So it's not because I'm, you know, uh, you know, crazy pro or, or con any, any particular, um, president or candidate or anything else. Yes. You don't have a dog in the fight. No, nah, I don't have a dog in the fight. Uh, I hear you. Me neither. Oh, that's good. We yeah. need more people with no dogs in the fight because mm-hmm. the fight is being promoted. It really is. And speaking of which, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but, um, you're obviously in tune with the current political, I guess you could say landscape at the moment, correct? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, did you see that, that video of, of John McCain allegedly speaking to those Russian hackers, those pranksters? Oh no, I didn't. You haven't heard that yet? No, I saw, I saw him, uh, talking about something else, but I didn't see him speaking. No. Oh what my, happened? I'm going to have to show you that link or send you that link rather. And what happened? Oh, wow. Sorry about that. Well, there was a, there's two gentlemen, by the way, these two Russians, they prank called John McCain, which is pretty ridiculous. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that's him. I've, I've heard him talk many times and I'm pretty sure that's his voice. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's him. I, I want to play the clip, but I'm not sure if I could play it. I got a chance to... Without uh, getting flagged. I got a chance to walk by him, and he said hello to me in the halls of the Senate. It was uh, last year. Really? Yeah. By the way, I sent you the link just now. Okay, so... Yeah, wh- whenever you get a chance, just take a look at that. Okay. I think you're going to find it very interesting, and I think he might be in a little bit of trouble. Well, then he should, he'll just join the, the growing group. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think he found himself in some hot water this time. Oh my goodness. He was sharing quite a bit to uh, who he believed was, I think was some sort of prime minister. Yeah. yeah. Let me look that up really quickly here. Wow. So loud. Yeah. You can't hear that. No, I don't hear a thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm just making sure you can hear that. I'm not sure if we could play that here, that's why. But I believe these um pranksters were pretending to be the prime minister, the Ukrainian prime minister, rather, and they fooled him. Oh, no. Mm-hmm, and my goodness, my goodness, he shared a few things there. He kind of implied that he would give information to them, by the way. Ah, you're kidding. I'm not joking. It's um pretty pretty weird. I'm, I'm not seeing other... News sources right now, I'm not seeing the mainstream media picking it up yet, but eventually I think they will, because I I have a feeling that really is his voice. Uh, well, uh, you sure it's not Alec Baldwin or <laughs> no, Melissa McCarthy or no, the cadence is is spot on. Huh. All right. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. I I will definitely take a listen to your thing. Yeah. Um, whenever you get a chance. Yeah, I'll do that after the after the show. Yeah, you're going to find that very, very interesting. And for those who don't know about that, uh, look up that video on YouTube or just hit Google, search McCain and pranksters, and, and you're going to find it everywhere, by the way. 
So just a matter of time before someone breaks that story. You know, I think it really is, you know, like anything else. And we're all in danger, all of us, of getting fooled by everything all the time. And this all of this crazy uproar about, you know, fake news and fake stories and uh, whatever, alternative facts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all we're at a point where we have so much information, you know, and everybody's got an opinion. Everyone does. Wants an opinion that is more violent than the next guy's. And so everything gets, you know, all the shades of gray are gone. It's all just black or white, you know, and people screaming at each other. So when you're trying to wade through the sea of information and figure out what's real, what's not, and who's telling the truth and who should you listen to, it gets really difficult. And we're all getting taken. All of us, you know, uh, from something as simple as, um, you know, looking at a, a YouTube and trying to figure out whether something is a, a, a true historical story or if it's a true UFO that just goes flying up into the clouds or whatever it is. So all of us have got to get smarter and learn to tune into our own innate sense of wisdom in order to figure out what is really true. Because it is getting very hard for all of us. It really is. It yeah. really is. I'm. I, I. No one could have predicted this. What's going on now? So much is going on here in 2017, and it's, it's still very early. Well, you know, I have a prediction page on my website, skepticalpsychic.com. Oh, I see it now. The psychic blog. Uh, no, not the blog. The blog is a different thing. Uh, no, this is just a predictions page and it's open to anybody else who wants to make a prediction also. But I've been making predictions for many years now and, uh, I did, I predicted that a Republican would be in the White House and I predicted, predicted that about three years ago. I predicted that Trump would be the next president, uh, last July before the Republican convention. Really? Yeah. And I, the things I've predicted about uh, all kinds of civil unrest leading to more dangerous things. But those are all coming to pass also. Now I'm on your website, by the way. Yeah. The bulletin board here. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever have a prediction that you want to make, you know, feel free to, to post it up there. That's the skeptical psychic.com. Yeah. For those who want to check that out. Yeah. There's lots of predictions here. And what I try to do uh, is I try to follow them up with um, real-time news articles, you know, to figure out, you know, whether the prediction's accurate or not. So it's a way of getting feedback. Yeah, that's a good idea, by the way. Well, one thing I learned from Ingo is that feedback is key. That if you want to do any type of psychic work, uh, you've got to get feedback because that's a way of training your brain so that it understands whatever process it used to get there, that was the right process or the wrong process. But either way, you need to, uh, it just helps you build your skills. Do you think there's a nuclear war ahead? I, I think my brain doesn't even want to go there. I wrote recently the strongest thing that I have written, which is that I have spoken with many, uh, very psychic people and they're all terrified because they are seeing something of a global uh, ending if you will 
And I don't know that anybody has an answer as to what an ending really, you know, how you define that. Uh, you know, if you, if you have an EMP, well, then you have an ending to modern life as, as we all know it. Uh, you may have also many, many people dying because they can't survive without being in the modern world. Um, or you may have a nuclear catastrophe. I am very concerned that if you get people uh, frightened enough that it is the fear that will uh, produce something catastrophic. Mm, yeah. These are kind of scary times, however. Yeah. It seems like everyone is very upset around the world. Yeah, because everybody's scared. And yeah. you've got mm-hmm. a n- lack of clarity on alliances. I have no problem with shifting alliances. I mean, we've been doing that, you know, throughout the history of mankind. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but there are ways, there are ways to do it without scaring the, the pants off of everybody. True. However, the stakes have never been any higher than they are now. That's what makes it frightening. Here in 2017, technology just keeps getting better and better. And of course, our defense mechanisms, of course, are increasing day to day. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what the stakes are. I no longer know what the stakes are. I really don't. And I sort of have begun to feel that it's all out of my pay grade. All I know is that my, my message to people is give everybody a chance. If something is new to you, don't panic and don't judge. Just allow it to take its own course and see where it goes. We've become a nation that doesn't understand dialogue anymore. We can't hold conversations. We can't listen. Listening is almost a lost art now. It almost is, actually. If if we cannot listen to each other, we can't tolerate each other's solutions. And if we can't tolerate each other's solutions, you know, we have to somehow kill the ideas. And the ideas are embodied in the people. And that's all wrong. So uh, people have got to start calming down a little bit, you know, uh, and listening. I agree. Completely agree. Yeah, because otherwise we're we're in for an extremely rough ride. Oh yes, I think we were in for a rough ride with with anyone, regardless who is uh, allegedly in charge of this country. I yes, that's true, and I think it's all a matter of the acceleration rates. Oh yeah, time is really moving along quickly here in the year 2017. Um, personally, I think so. Yeah, and I have. Uh, I've felt that myself. I have a lot of friends who are saying they're sort of um, uh, missing time. You know, there are days that are going by or, you know, entire weeks where you can't forget which day you're on. Oh, that that happens to me now. Yeah, uh, and it's happening to me a lot also and, and other people I know. So, yeah, there there is. Uh, and then sort of coming along with that is this uh, proverbial, you know, thinning of the veil, I think, that's accompanying that acceleration piece. Um so it's very, it's exhausting. And it trying really to find people who you can, you know, share your experience with is, is tough. Oh yeah, it's really tough. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure if, if, um, perhaps you don't share these sort of things with, I guess you could say fellow attorneys that you know, that you are maybe friends with. Um, do you ever share any of this with them? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I don't go around telling people that I host a talk show. Um, I don't mind 
uh, I mean, I've, I've really gotten in the habit over the years of telling people exactly what it is I do. And by the way, I sit in my local government and they all know what I do. Um, but I have an advantage of also, you know, I can switch many hats. So, you know, I can sit there and, and. Yeah, that's a good thing, by the way. I give you lots of credit for that. It is a good thing because there's always something to talk to somebody about. You can always share something. Um, but I have made a point of, you know, I'm very clear about what I do. Um, and a lot of times people are shocked, but a lot of times, as I've said many, to, to many people, they'll, they'll pull you aside privately or later and everybody's got a story. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I have always said that here on the air. It's funny that you say that. I've always said that everyone has this great story just waiting to come out. Yeah. Whether and, they know it or not. And because they think it's taboo and or they're going to be somehow, I don't know, not respected if they say such things, you know, they're every, people are afraid to share them. It's the fear of rejection and the fear of looking a certain way, being perceived a certain way. That that's that's the thing that gets everyone. And I myself, I've been the victim of that too. Or I've, I've had that mentality before. Yeah. Um, but I, I, so, so I have made a point of telling, you know, everybody and anybody with a little bit of a shock value, cause I don't mind shocking people either. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good times. It's good for them. Yeah. People need that. They need a, a kick in the rear end every now and then. Yeah. But, um, where I do tend to sort of slow up is when I realize that, um, People may have certain limitations on their capacity to understand something or to get it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so they start to kind of back off and remove themselves or change the subject or something. And, and then I let them change the subject because they, they reach a saturation level on how much, uh, they can accept. And I know how many years it took me to kind of walk through all of this in order to understand it and begin to accept any of it. Oh, believe me, I know what you mean. I'm a huge skeptic myself until, well, I'm still a skeptic, even though I've experienced some rather strange things. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's healthy and it's good. Yeah. I, I'm constantly still asking myself if that really happened or not. So and which thing would that be? <laughs> oh, well, there is, there is a number of things, but one of those things that is always close to my heart is, my grandmother, after she had passed, maybe four months after she had passed, well, going back, let me just say, she would get into this routine of washing dishes around 1, 2 a.m., and I would go and greet her all the time. And, well, she had passed away from cancer, and three months goes goes by, and one day I'm just sleeping, and I'm hearing I'm hearing dishes going off in the kitchen there. And suddenly I just jump up and think, well, I'm going to just go say hi to my grandmother. So I go over there without really thinking anything. And of course, no one's in the kitchen. Mm. So that's always one thing that has stuck with me through many, many moons now, many, Mm. many moons. And of course, I did see the strange light manifest itself in a dark hotel room. And that's a whole nother story. But yeah, these things that I have experienced, I I constantly question myself about all the time. Yeah, but but you probably well, you're an, you're a, a natural psychic. I think I might be. I've mm-hmm. heard that. I've heard people say that. People often tell me I'm extremely intuitive. 
because almost I, scary. Oh, really? You think it's scary? No, I'm saying they think it's almost scary. How? They think it's scary. How intense it is? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but if they if they had the experiences themselves or were tuned in a little bit, they would understand it's really not scary at all. Oh no, yeah, it's not scary at all. I've I've always felt grounded by being so highly intuitive. Yeah. It's a great feeling. Yes, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel I feel whole as a person. There's no empty void inside me. And I know that's probably maybe a little arrogant for some people hearing this, but I, I truly feel that way. I don't think it's arrogance. I think it comes from uh it's sort of un it's the difference between um you know, an intellectual understanding and of something and, and a wisdom, a, a knowing of something. Yes. And if you know yourself and you accept certain things about your own perceptions and understandings, then it does make you feel very, uh, well, you said whole. I would even say very powerful. Whole, it, enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. It re- I really do feel that way after all these things. My perspective has changed a lot in the last, say, two years or the last couple of months even. Pretty wow. outrageous, yeah. But by the way, I, I forgot to even mention this to you. On the cover of your book, it says, can they speak our languages and can they read our minds? Um, can you tell us a little bit about these languages? I, I totally forgot to mention this to you and I know we're running out of time here. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that was the, this, and you're talking about how to talk to an alien? Yes, your book. Um, yeah, that, that was sort of the, my whole exploration into this and what I had discovered. And, you know, maybe it's totally obvious to a lot of other people, but, you know, I'm fairly slow. I, <laughs> takes me a while, uh, is that, I mean, every, everybody always talks about uh, in their uh, contact experiences with aliens or extraterrestrials or whatever you want to call them, um, they almost always talk about a telepathic communication. Um, and what I discovered through looking at many, many case histories and uh, speaking with many, many people is that... Uh, Depending on, well, first you have to establish well, how many different races of aliens are you talking about? And there are numbers that I've seen ranging from, you know, four to 300 and some odd races. There's, yeah, there's a lot. There are a lot. And, and they speak different languages. Um, and people who are channeling alien communications are coming up with all different types of languages. What I, have sort of proposed to do is to put together a cross comparison of them, but they do, they speak human languages, many of them. And I show in the, in, in my book, I mean, some of them are speaking really crazy, uh, languages that hardly anybody speaks like Finnish. Um, they're not just sticking with the, uh, the languages spoken by the most number of human beings on earth, um, uh, which would be, I believe Mandarin, but they're speaking a whole variety. But then again, you've got some case histories showing that the aliens couldn't speak not a single word of of uh, human language. So they communicate with, uh, you know, sort of body language, sign language, that kind of stuff. Um, By the way, that reminds me, what about the Sumerian language? There's been many reports, alleged reports, that this is one of the languages that they can speak, however. Uh, yes, I've seen... I don't personally know, so I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, 
I think one, and, and if you, it's not just with the spoken languages, but it's also with the written languages. If you look at, um, some of the channeled writings that are coming through, many of them are extremely similar to some of the, uh, ancient Sumerian languages. Um, and what I've suggested is, you know, that it may be that they were here, uh, and shared a language. Right. Either they gave it to us or we shared it with them, whatever mm-hmm. it was. And then they may have disappeared for a while, which would account for the fact that the, the, the same language sort of had a fork in the road, you know, the, the planet Earth fork and then maybe the other purified version of it so that they don't, they no longer look like identical languages. Uh, they're similar, but not totally identical. You have the same thing going on, by the way. I think with the um with the Mormon church when Joseph Smith came up with the uh, golden plates and transcribed them and said that they were uh written in what he called reformed Egyptian. Well, reformed Egyptian doesn't exactly look like Egyptian. It looks sort of similar to the ancient uh uh hieroglyphics, uh but not identical. So if his information was delivered by an angel which you know, and I go into this also whole discussion of, you know, angels and demons and different types of aliens and yeah, how do we decide what's what? And they may be somewhat the same thing with a different semantic, uh, interpretation yeah. of them. But if he was delivered information by an angel who may have been a variation on some type of an alien and given reformed Egyptian hieroglyphics, you know, it may be that that version of Egyptian uh, was a fork in the road that went with the aliens. And just to give you a real, you know, this exists on planet Earth too. Um, America used it. We were used. We came from Britain, from England. Well, we split off. Today, Americans use words that are from the Middle Ages, from from um, old, uh, not old English, but uh, Middle English. You know. So we say, uh, for example, it's gotten really cold outside. The word gotten with the E-N, that's the medieval version. The uh, British today would say, it's got really cold outside tonight. <laughs> yes. You know, so they drop the E-N. Um, there's an island. I love this. I mean, this is one place I really want to go. It's the island of Pitcairn, which is um, where the uh, the mutiny took place on the, the bounty. Mm. And so all of the, uh, the sailors ended up on that island and it's sort of way off the coast of, I don't know, um, it's off the south, the, the, the western coast of uh, South America. It's out towards Easter Island. So sort of in the middle of nowhere. It must be lovely then. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very tiny, lovely. And, um, it's the only place in the world where they today all speak Shakespearean English. Oh, okay. You know, so all of us, we we were sort of the fork in the road on the language. Oh, we all okay. kept, you know, changing it, and we all now speak a very different version from Shakespearean, but because they kept that location and were isolated, they kept that language. And that's why I say language is hard evidence, and that's why you can use language as hard evidence in the, in the UFO field, but people got to, you know, change their thinking a little bit yes and they definitely can read our minds correct in your opinion oh yeah 
Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm only asking for those who are new. I'm sorry. As I know you are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I talk a lot about various types of um, mind control. Uh, you know, anything from one example, I have a friend who was, uh, she was always on the lookout for UFOs. So she always carried a camera around. She put a camera. She's driving uh, on a highway. She has a camera next to her on the passenger seat in the front. And she, uh, I think, was heading towards Arizona. She looks up. She sees a UFO. Oh, fantastic. She's driving, keeps driving. Pretty soon there are a couple of UFOs. Pretty soon she said there were hundreds. She'd never seen anything like it in her life. And she completely forgot to take a photograph with the camera that was sitting right next to her in her. She could have pulled over at any time. And she didn't. And, uh, that's happened to me, not, I mean, in a different circumstance. Um, you know, they can put us into various states of, uh, suspended animation. What, what did you see, by the way, Nancy? Um, I, well, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of UFOs, but the most dramatic one was, uh, uh, in 2011, uh, where I saw a football field sized mothership. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was very dramatic. So you saw something like the Phoenix Lights. I think it was, as far as I can determine, m- much more dramatic than that. Oh, my. Uh, it was 500 to 1,000 feet up in the air, so not that far up. And it was covered with about 20 or 30 orange lights. It was boomerang-shaped. It was sitting there. Uh, and eventually a giant white orb uh, telescoped open off of one of the wings and went moving around like it was looking for something went behind the craft, disappeared, came back over the top of it, reattached itself, disappeared, and then the entire craft cloaked or dematerialized in three phases. And my daughter was with me, so we both witnessed it. Um, I'm glad you had someone there with you. Those are always the best, by the way, the shared experience. I agree. I agree. It's uh, it's really reassuring. Mm -hmm. And and after that, uh, she and I both began to have telephone interruptions uh, by what I believe were uh, alien voices. And then that started to happen with between her conversations with some of her and her friends and me and some of mine. I see. So it was, uh, I mean, that was very intense. It does sound intense. And I'm sure you can still remember that night very vividly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those memories, they just, they stay implanted in our minds. Yeah. Now, what I would like, speaking of mind control, now a friend of mine has told me, uh, this was last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting over pneumonia. I had gone out for the evening for dinner, but then I was tired. I came back home, went to bed around nine or nine thirty. And that was on a Friday. And I, when I woke up, it was somewhere in the early morning on Saturday or Sunday. I forget, but I, the, I had slept for thirty hours. You slept for thirty hours. Right now, I've never slept for thirty hours. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> I don't know, but I, it was crazy. You didn't take Ambien or anything like that? Oh, no, 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 no. My goodness. And, uh, my friend called me up on Sunday and she said, so how's everything? And I said, oh, it's okay. She said, have you had any contact experiences recently? And I thought that was a strange question. I said, uh, not that I know of. I, I've had some sort of signature disturbances that I might be able to identify, but nothing I, particularly would call a contact experience. She said, oh, okay. 
how's everything else? And I said, well, I just slept for 30 hours. And she starts laughing uncontrollably. And I said, what's so funny? And she tells me that starting was also on Friday, and very long story short, uh, she'd had an abduction experience. She recalled being in the craft. She recalled some of the beings and was not happy about it. Didn't want to be there and was, I guess, they weren't too happy about her behavior. And I oh. said, well, you know, were you up there with a group of humans? And she said, yes. And I said, men and women? She said, yeah. You recognize any of them? She said, well, just one. And I said, who? She said, you. Now, uh, and she came back with an implant, by the way, the next morning. Uh, uh, but my point is, I do not recall that experience in anywhere in, in I, no part of my awareness. And in fact, I had pretty good recall of a lot of my dreams. I told you I remember most yeah, of my dreams. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. None of my dreams were involving that. So assuming, I mean, she certainly had a real experience. She came back with real physical evidence. Uh, and I don't doubt her that she saw me there. Um, but I don't have a memory. And I, if that's true, that certainly is a part of you know, another example of mind control. It really is. And you just reminded me when you're talking about implants, I recalled the late Roger Lear. Right. Did you ever get a chance to talk to him? I did. I did. He actually was supposed to invite me to his last uh, surgery. Oh, no. And uh, unfortunately, you know, that, that yeah. did not happen. But, uh, yeah, he, he told me quite a bit about implants. And, in fact, one of the things that she, my friend, did was... Um, she was so irritated by it. Uh, she she told her her nephew. She said, "Look, and it was in her her uh, hand." Jeez, yeah. Said, Look at this. I want you to take a hammer and I want you to smash it. And he said, <laughs> "Oh my God!" Absolutely not. I'm not doing. <laughs> wow. She said, "Well, fine. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it myself." And he, I think he finally agreed, and they smashed it. Now, I think that was a terrible idea from everything oh, I understand about God. implants. Um. But one of the things that I do recall, uh, Dr. Lear telling me, you know, was that when sometimes when he was doing the surgeries and they were, he would, you know, poke around with the scalpel to, to take the, the implants out. And these, right. They would actually start moving intelligently yeah, they would move. inside the body. How annoying is that, by the way? Yeah, really? It's like an itch you can't scratch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they, and they seem to, um, another thing he talked about was that it took him a while to figure out once he removed these implants that if he didn't keep them, you know, he put them in a test tube or, you know, some, I don't know, petri dish or something for safekeeping. But if he didn't put them in there with, uh, some of the surrounding tissues and, and fluid and blood and stuff from the person he'd removed them from, these things would disintegrate within minutes. They were gone. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Makes and, you think, and, what kind of technology was that? Uh, none that I know of. None that we don't, none that we <laughs> don't have on this earth. Well, if we do, they, they, they yeah, they're keep keeping really quiet. it, yeah, they're keeping it very suppressed. Um, so I just think you have to be, I mean, I know somebody else who he said he was able to, I, I forget where he found his implant, but he was able to remove it. And he said he pulled it out and then it dropped on the floor and then it started rolling by itself, but managed to almost like it was walking, rolling. 
And then. No, that's just creepy. Yes. Like it was, uh, in, you know, intelligently moving itself and then found, uh, eventually, uh, quite a ways away from him, uh, a hole in, in the, uh, in the woodwork on the floor and got away. Hmm. So there, uh, don't hear that often. No, you don't. And when I first heard that story, I thought, well, you know, this really takes the cake. It seems like I can't tell you how many stories I've heard that really take the cake on stuff. But the mm. more stories you hear and you start trying to kind of gauge the people who are telling you these stories, um, you start to realize there's there's certain probable levels of validity to a lot of these stories. You know, there's something there we need to learn. And that goes back yeah. to the question of curiosity. True. And, of course, when you actually face these people, that's a bit of a game changer. Um, for instance, I went to an expo recently, and many of these people I've talked to, I've interviewed uh, plenty of these people that I ran into, but it's, it's, it's a different game once you actually face these people and look into their eyes, and they, they convey these, these type of stories to you. And that's when the dynamic changes. You start to believe these people even more. Well, yeah, because, um, I mean, we're, we're all pretty good at sensing, uh, authenticity. Sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, I certainly have heard and enough stories and dealt with enough people who were kind of psychotic or schizophrenic. Yeah. Chemically imbalanced individuals. They are out there. Uh, yeah. And, uh, that's not to say that they haven't had their own encounters or aren't right. psychic. Uh, these things can also occur, but it just means that you have to be a little bit more careful in uh, figuring out the extent of the stories. Exactly. And uh, that's something I know everyone must take account, account to when you are talking to contactees. We don't exactly know them personally, and um, sometimes they could be under medication. Absolutely. Sure. They could be experiencing some sort of psychosis, perhaps. Yep. But, um, they, they could still very much well be experiencing the things that they're trying to tell you that they're seeing. Yep. And that's why all of my, you know, uh, background, uh, in, in psychology is so useful to me. It really, it helps me a lot because I can sort of distinguish based on, uh, different factors, how much of a story I think is, is probably, you know, uh, a real type story versus a, a complete fantasy story. Now, have you ever come across someone whose story was just so powerful that you, you just couldn't share it with anyone, anything of that nature, something that just completely just changed everything for you that you um, believe you just, you believe no one else would actually can suspend their disbelief in it. Um, no fascinating stories like that that are just so out there. They, I've just gone from, you know, one fascinating story to the next in terms of my own life. So, um, you know, way, way, way back when, when I was in a haunted castle in Wales and, uh, was doing what they called table tipping. I had no clue what that was. Um, and so there were six of us sitting around a table in a, in a dark basement. And uh, the table started jumping by itself and spinning counterclockwise and then uh, lifted a couple of feet off the ground and then floated down again. 
and there were no wires and there were no people's knees and no people's hands or mm-hmm. anything because I was watching like a hawk. You know, that was my first, oh my God, how is that possible? That's the story I'm talking about. What is it? You know, mm-hmm. and then you have people saying, yeah, we saw a flat, big flash of white light that went off, you know, above your the table and none of us at the table saw it, you know, but everyone else standing around saw it. And then it flew away to the, the, the corner of the room or, um, I mean, stuff like that. I, you just say, uh, oh, and it was being filmed. That oh, was yeah. being filmed. Oh yeah. It was streaming live while we were doing it. Plus oh, wow. my husband was filming it. Um, and he couldn't believe it. And you know, he's a very he's skeptical too. straight laced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. But he's seen enough of these things with me now over the years. He, he doesn't oh, okay. even think twice about it. Yeah. I think I get more shocked by stuff than he does. That's good, by the way, that you have someone like that in your life that can be a, be supportive of you. Very much so. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's great because I get to do this this uh, crazy voyage and I get to share it, which is really important. Yeah, but not only that, he's also in tune with it. Yeah. That's the important part for sure. Yeah. That's cool. I, I like that. I like hearing stuff about, about other people, um, their relationships of that nature and they're strong. Um, sometimes you will find certain people that talk about these certain, these certain subjects and their significant other is just not on board with it. Yeah. That's gotta be, yeah, that's gotta be kind of difficult for them. I, I would have to imagine. I, I know an awful lot of people like that. Yeah, you see, and, and this conversation that we're having is very realistic, and it's one that at times I, I don't necessarily bring up to that certain individual, because, <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it's probably, well, it is off-air that we have those talks, and I just think, my goodness, I I feel really bad for you, because you're with someone that doesn't support you in any way. Yeah. That's got to drive you crazy. Well, yeah, because you're shutting down a whole part of your existence that you can't share with somebody. So it's like, yeah, you know, that's that'd that be like sucks. having a double life or something. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah. It makes me think, how can you go about your normal life like that? But yeah, some people live, some people live double lives. Yeah. That's just too much work for me. That, that sounds exhausting, Nancy. I, I think it would be too much work. Yeah. For me. I would tune out. <laughs> I, I would tune out very quickly if I was in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you, you have to consider your mental health. Right. For sure. So, where can people find your book, Nancy? Well, they can find uh, most of my books on Amazon. Uh, they're apparently still uh, floating around in some of the Barnes and Nobles. Um, but, you know, Amazon is usually a good source for them. Yeah, that's that's a good place. But the most recent one, again, for your listeners, is How to Talk to an Alien. Um, before that, it was uh, Psychic Intuition, Everything You Ever Wanted to Ask But Were Afraid to Know. And that's uh, it, it's my explanation of, of what psychic ability is. And I explain it in terms of neuroscience, psychology, and linguistics, as well as sharing a lot of my own personal stories. Um, that was sort of my exploration into the psychic world. I kind of like that quote that says, want to know the difference between psychic and psychotic. <laughs> yes. I dig that part. That's funny. No, but it's true. And, and, but I did that on purpose for exactly the reason that we we're just talking about just now. I, ex- 
I walk the reader through every single type of uh, sensory hallucination that that we know about, and I explain why and how they're different from psychic uh, experiences. And some of them are similar, but there are ways that you can distinguish them. Mm-hmm. By the so, by the oh, sorry, sorry to cut you off there. No, no, I was just going to say. So if people are interested in in you know kind of uh, getting that type of a maybe a little bit more of a practical approach to psychic experiencing that that's probably a good place to start and i have little exercises in there also that you can do so that you can build your own ability yeah that's psychic intuition great book it, it seems like i definitely have to pick that one up yeah thanks do you also ever talk about phone telepathy um i yeah i talk about that right in the beginning oh you do yeah oh very nice i see now another reason for me to buy the book there you go. I've experienced that, by the way, for a couple years now. I found myself always somehow knowing who was going to text me and who was going to call me. Yeah. To this day, I still know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't know how to explain that to someone. Right, and I, I mean, I certainly get that too. And I, uh, what I talk about is that because I, for me, you know, people think psychic ability is this woo-woo crazy stuff or maybe you have to be born with it, but I don't understand what it is. And the way that I explain it is it's on the sliding scale of intuition. And you, at the one end of the scale, you have, you know, conservative educated guesses, what we call guesses, which is more of a thinking activity, a lot of conscious awareness. You know a lot of the facts already. You move it towards the middle. It gets a little sketchier. You have gut feelings and hunches and emotional reactions. You don't have all the information, but you have some of it. You sort of get it. And then you go out on the the far end, on the other end, and you have what we know is is psychic uh, ability. And that comes with lower conscious awareness and a few or no facts at all at your disposal. And yet you're still getting accurate information. So it's a sliding scale of yeah. awareness and data. So with telephone telep- uh, telepathy, the kind of thing you're, you know, or ESP where mm-hmm. you know when somebody's going to call you, there are differences. And I explain this in the book. I mean, if, if you know that your friend, uh, normally calls you, say, on a Friday, uh, it's not surprising that, you know, on a Friday. Sure. Yeah. Going to call. That's because you have a lot of data. That's an educated guess. But if you haven't seen that friend for 20 years and that friend, you know, that friend's going to call on a Friday, all of a sudden that you're zoomed up into that sort of uh, little to no data place of psychic information. Yeah, that's when things really get interesting. Yeah. So it all depends on what you know and how what you're aware of. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to look into that book, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have a bunch of other books that probably, well. Different topics, but um, and my my websites. I don't know if you for your viewers. I have two websites: theskepticalpsychic.com and also talkalien.com. It's a little newer, um, and I guess yeah, that's. What about that's upcoming cool. appearances? Do you have any lectures coming up anywhere? Uh, no, I had something scheduled in England, and that's got bumped over into the fall. But no, other than that, no, I've, I've been, uh, strangely relaxed. <laughs> so I'm not, oh, that's good then. I, I have nothing, nothing, nothing in particular coming up. 
What, um, what about do, your uh, private readings? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. That I do all the time. And, uh, I, that can be done, you know, in person or phone or Skype or whatever works for people. Um, and I do all, you know, whatever is involved, whether it's psychic detective work, regular psychic ratings, mediumship, um, medical intuitive work, any of that stuff. So yeah, I do that. I didn't even get to ask you about the medical intuitive stuff. That's, um, kind of beyond me, to be honest with you. I've never really gotten into that, that subject. I've never looked into that. Yeah. But if you're tuned into other types of energy, that's sort of a no brainer. Right. Sure you probably can do it anyway. Yeah. I, I just never gone that deep into that, into thinking about that sort of thing. Well, I wouldn't have either. Except that, uh, I kept having experiences, uh, that sort of confirmed that I had some ability. Mm. So, you know, when you, you have to, at a certain point, you have to be an idiot if you don't accept that you can do stuff that you clearly never thought you could do. Oh, yes. I, I have to agree on that one. I just think it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And it's, you know, that's another way of being of service to people where you can uh, really try to help them. Yeah. And, you know, there's a responsibility that goes along with that also, which is if people are experiencing major types of health issues. Uh, you know, you don't waltz in and say, oh, well, your problem is this, you know, go, go take vitamin, blah, blah, whatever. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you have to be very careful as far as that goes. What what about negative um, folks out there? Have you ever had any negative interactions with people? Say that you gave them a private reading, anything of that nature? No, I, I no, no. Smooth no. sailing. Yeah, um, I think I've been really blessed to get great clients. Um, I tend to get just really cool clients. They tend to be pretty smart, and they come from all different walks of life. Uh, and I really enjoy them. I, I think that, you know, I am my toughest critic. I, I don't think I've ever had a bad response from anybody. Um, that's good then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's, and, and another yeah, thing that I, always, I, I tell all my clients is, you know, I'm always interested in hearing your feedback and I don't care. It, you know, if it's a confirmation of something I said, great. If it's a disconfirmation of something I said, well, then great. Also, I'd like to hear it. Um, because that gives me a sense of reality. So, and and so I do. I hear back from a lot of my clients, and uh, they're wonderful. Yeah, I'm glad you have good clients then. Yeah, me too. Because you know, not everyone has that experience. So I would consider myself very fortunate if I were you. I, absolutely, I do. Yeah, for sure. So that's how to talk to an alien, and of course, your other book, Psychic Intuition. And you have other books as well on other topics, right? Yeah, I do, but I don't think uh, I don't think your listeners would be interested. So, what other topics are those, by the way? Now I'm curious. Well, there was the uh, the homicide detective book, and then I also wrote uh, an an art history book about the history of French porcelain. That's not too bad. So, well, (laughs) yes, I think people like those sort of things, homicide and. You know, every everyone everyone likes all sorts of things. You'll be surprised. Well, you never know. Well, people collect stamps, so you know. They're, 
There you go. Yeah. By the way, I, I was kind of curious to get your take on, I guess you could say, well, actually we, we did go over that now that I'm thinking about it. So I should probably leave you with the final word. Go ahead and give us some words of advice. I didn't want to pull you back into politics. I'm sorry. Words of advice. Yeah, well, that immediately makes me feel like I'm pulled back into politics because I'm <laughs> the energy of what oh, no. is yeah. in, in today and the energy, as as you and I both talked about, which is that time is accelerating, that uh, we are being faced with uh, kind of strange issues, uh, frightening issues, and uh, a sense of a loss of of control, I think, not just of our sense of identity here in our country, but also of our planet. Um, and that the best thing that all of us can do is to listen to each other. Uh, and, you know, they, there's a, in psychology, there's a term called active listening. You need to be an active listener, which means you listen, you may ask questions about what you've heard, you acknowledge to somebody what you've heard, you don't react to it emotionally. You just allow it to be the opinion of somebody else, which is okay. And I think if all of us can do this, we can begin to steer our own ship again. Um, but to me, that's the most important thing is, is creating dialogue. Cause you know, I've, I've been around on this planet for, it seems like a while and I have never seen dialogue so non-existent uh it's kind of unique in our history it really is yeah i'd like to see it come back because i think it's really critical if there's an aspect of listening which is loving other people and that's yeah, we're not seeing do. we're not seeing much love nowadays are we no no and you didn't hear that did you I just had a huge sheet of ice just I, right off of my roof. I was just going to say, I did hear something in the background. What was that? Ice. A huge sheet of ice. My goodness. I'm glad you weren't standing around for that. No. I don't know. Yeah, that would have taken you out. Yeah. Well, I do want to thank you for being here. Oh, thank you yeah, for having me I appreciate it. That it was, was fun. fun. We didn't really get into um, other, other subjects I, I did want to mention here, but... Time is not on our side. Well, you know what? I We talked about stuff I have never talked about on air before, so you know what? It all works out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard you talk about some of the things I brought up here, so I think this was actually a, a very fun conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah, you. we'll do it again in the near future. Okay, cool. Yeah, so thank you once again for being on the program. Thank you for sharing sharing your evening with us all it's been fascinating to hear your perspective on on everything here thank you i appreciate that yeah so again i'll talk to you in the near future and and we'll do this again great all right all right take care and and i'll speak to you soon all right good night and that was my guest nancy Dutetra. great great guest i really enjoy talking to her and unfortunately i was supposed to be on with Another guest prior to having her on, originally I was supposed to talk to Diane Bischoff-James. However, some technical difficulties plagued that little block of, of time there, so Nancy just jumped right in there and we got it done. 
that was really, really fun. I had a great time talking to her and I'm going to have to reschedule the interview with Diane at a later time. Um, I, I apologize to everyone who wanted to hear her talk here. She did have a, a pretty fascinating, I guess you could say a, a pretty fascinating plethora of subjects that she did want to talk to all of you guys here about tonight. So we'll do that again later. I'll figure something out here. But once again, thank you all for listening to the program here. I'm going to play some music and oh, I guess I'll talk a little bit here. Don't really get the chance to do that. Usually there's another guest on, but this time there is no second guest. So I guess I'm going to have to talk with all of you out there. A very, very special time. I feel like we're going to get to know each other. I can't wait. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The decapitated body of a teenage white female was discovered in Schilmer's factory in Kearney, New Jersey today by workers who found the body hanging upside down from chains wrapped around the victim's ankles. Police officials say there are indications that the girl was tortured before being decapitated, afterwards in which evidence of necrophilia have been confirmed. ...marked the site of yet another gruesome murder in northern New Jersey. Local police say some took the tale too far and left the bodies of his... Totoa police arrived police only to find a dying bonfire near the road, as well as the remains of the victims. And welcome back to the program. Hi, how's it going? I see many of you are still out there. Hope everyone went out and grabbed a snack or went on a smoke break, perhaps. Is that you? Did you go and get a cigarette? It's okay, you could tell me. I'm not going to get mad at you. Thank you for staying tuned in. I did have some emails I did want to answer from our listeners. However, I think a very special individual will be joining me here in a moment. Let's see if he's around. Hmm. I wonder if he's still out there. Oh no, maybe he's busy. What happened? Let me try again. A very special guest might be joining me here. I'm not quite sure. I was just talking to him. This would be the very first time I actually talked to him in person. I, of course, am talking about the artist who drew the logo, and yeah, I can't get a hold of him now. That's unfortunate. I was looking forward to talking to him. Yeah, that's not good. Not good at all. He said he was ready, and now he's gone, folks. Well, I'll keep going here. Again, I see many of you are still out there, and I apologize. Diane was supposed to be my first guest here, but things got a little rough, so we're going to have to reschedule her. Now, usually... I would be reading emails at this time when there's no other guest, or I'll be talking to you about this or that. But most importantly, I, I do want to mention, once again, the rankings here. The top countries who tune in, of course, the United States, always number one. 
And of course, that number two slot, it's always a battle between the UK and Canada. But this time I'm seeing the UK actually has taken over the number two slot here. I'm pretty surprised. Our Canadian brothers out there in Canada, as I like to call it, they are at number three. And number four, Germany is out there. And five, once again, number five is always a strange one. Pakistan, who the hell's out there? Is that you? Is that you out there in Pakistan? Of course, number six is Afghanistan. <laughs> I never would have suspected that. That's a little weird, right? Do you think it's perhaps an American out there? I'm led to believe it's probably an American, not, not a native. Definitely not. Very interesting, though. Makes me think, who could it be? And if they're out there, they should call in. I see them all the time. Sometimes they're live and sometimes they're not. Live, when I say live, I mean they're tuned in here live, not just on the stream. And getting a call now from, there he is. What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, good morning from, from Cape Town. Oh, you're breaking up there. Oh, slightly better. Of course, this is Warren here from South Africa, way out there. Hello. I hear you a little bit better now. I'm really close to the phone. That's slightly better. Kind of break. Some problems with the phone uh, before other calls, so I'm my best here. Yeah, no problem. I I do want to say this is incredible. I didn't think you would be on the show. It's really early for me. It's uh just after eight in the morning. Eight in the morning. Wow. I like to sleep on Sunday morning. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Of course, you are the artist behind the logo of the program. Yeah, um, it was fun, fun to do. Uh, I love the show. It's an absolute pleasure. Oh my, yeah. Thank you so much, by the way. I, I love the work. I, I loved, I loved helping you create that. Well, obviously, I didn't actually draw that, but, you know, our minds together worked as a well-oiled machine there. We were great there. So I, didn't, I didn't catch any, any of the show. Um, I, I was in and out of two different devices. Um, I had different plugins of cell phones. So I couldn't listen to oh, no. any, of the, any of the show. You were, um, oh, my. You were sounding good for a second there. Okay. Well, I, I'm just going to check in and check out. Um, and it was good to make contact with you. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course. The rest of the show. Yeah, we're going to have to join forces again and, and create some more artwork. Yep. Yeah. Maybe we can make some end of days t-shirts. Oh, now you're sounding fine. Hmm? I said, now you sound fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah some t-shirts. That, that's the next goal. That's really the Maybe next step get, here. Yeah. Have to do something. Yeah. I mean, that the logo that you drew up there, I, I think that would actually sell quite nicely. You, you know, I drew that um, on, a, on my train, train ride to work. On a, on a train ride? Yeah. I basically drew that on, on the way to and from work over a couple of days. Wow. It's just some trivia for you. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were you were drawing this on the go. I was drawing on the train. Yeah, that's how good you are, man, because you were just out there on the move and that didn't stop you at all from creating this thing. So yeah. I give you it's lots a, of credit for that, man. Wow. It's actually not as difficult as you might think. It, the, the, mm-hmm. the bumping of the train actually um, forces me to to loosen up and to draw quickly. So ah, okay. that's what I do like about the about the train. 
when you're sitting at a drawing desk, there's all this expectation to produce something really cool. And it, mm, it never really happens, does it? No. That's an interesting concept, though. And then you're distracted by what you see on the internet and a lot of guys like just spending a lot of time on the internet collecting reference pictures, you know. Sure. Cool stuff that other people have been inspired. By the way, Warren, your last name is Ray Raysdorf? Yes, that's 100%. Okay, nice. I'm glad I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, it's, uh, I believe it's German. I'm not really sure. A few generations uh, here in South Africa. So I don't really have any roots to, to my European past. What's it like out? I think, I think that's like, what's, what's it like? Um, mm. Cape Town is very yeah. European, actually. It, it's very mixed. Uh, there's, um, You're exposed to a little bit of everything there. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. It's very, it's very nice. Um, I would say it's a very outdoorsy kind of place. Mm-hmm. You can do lots of, lots of things. Like, uh, um, uh, there's a huge mountain here. We live around the mountain, and it's a huge na- nature attraction. I'm sure it's beautiful out there. It is. I can I can go for a little walk up to the edge of the mountain. It'll take me two minutes, and then I can do a nature trail. What about, yeah, you know, speaking of this nature trail, um, you know, I, I hate insects and, and bugs. I think they are a product of the devil. Um, are, are there any very dangerous critters out there that could potentially take you out on, the, on that trail that you're speaking of, Warren? Yeah, there are lots of, of creatures and oh yeah, lots of bats, spiders, snakes. Well, what's the most dangerous <laughs> thing out there on the trail for you that you got to you know be cautious of? There's, there's lots of snakes. There. I don't know if you know what a puff adder is. I believe I do, thanks to the Animal Planet. It's a short little snake. Um, it's a very dangerous snake. Hide, yeah, hides amongst rocks and stuff. Right, good camouflage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they have a very short striking uh, ratio. Distance, so it, yes. It's really difficult to get uh, to get bitten by a snake unless you, you brush up against it. Ah, uh, yeah. And then there's the, the cobra. The cobra, right? Yeah, yeah cobra. That's quite. Um, Is that common? Dangerous, but yeah, they're pretty common right common, there. But they, they don't really look for trouble. Yes. What about spiders? As again, something I I just dread. Yeah. Hate spiders. There's, there's spiders all over the place, but I've never really had any any spider bites. Um, I actually come from KZN. That's KwaZulu-Natal. That's um, on the east coast of South Africa. Um, it's a bit more tropical there, and there are a lot more spiders there. There's a baboon spider, um, which is pretty big. It can get as big as a, as a palm of the hand. It's kind of like a tarantula. That's pretty big. Yeah, but it's, um, it's quite harmless. As they are, you know, the bigger and hairier they are, the less poisonous they get. So, mm-hmm. but um, in the Cape, I don't really see any dangerous spiders. More dangerous people. Yeah, people are always the most dangerous animal. They're the most poisonous things on uh, <laughs> nature. Oh yeah, I agree. So, Warren, so, what, what else yeah. are you doing right now? It, it's early morning. You're just catching the show. Is that what you were up to? I'm doing three things. I'm listening to the show. I like to listen to the show. I'm finishing a comic that I'm working on, taking this opportunity to to work on a comic. I'm actually drawing the last panel of of the comic. Mm-hmm. Is this? And then, mm-hmm. then I'm going to take the day off. 
Very nice. Is is this the same comic that you were going to include me in? Uh, no, not the same thing. Oh, this is a different project? I've got so many things on the go. I know you... I just need to finish one thing first. You yeah. have you have so many, Warren, the last time I talked to you. Well, I, I, finished, uh, I finished a comic last year that's, that's getting published. It was a gift comic. It wasn't the most fun thing to do, but it's nice to get money. Well, of course, and that's the that's another reason why I wanted to team up with you. You're extremely talented, and I wanted to you know give you a cut of the money there from that shirt. Well, yeah, the the, the comic the, the comic that I want to do with you is something I'm really looking forward to doing. It's, it's quite a fun fun little project. Yes, paranormal elements to it. There are zombies. Um, I initially wrote it um, to include Art Bell, but since this show stopped, it's a, that was a disappointing for me. Yeah, um, it was very disappointing for a lot of people out there that Art Bell went away. Yeah, but um, I think we can all honestly say it wasn't quite the same as it was before. Exactly. So maybe it was uh, for the best. Blessing in disguise. Maybe. For better or for worse. And and so more about the comic, um, I don't know, I think it's, think it's gonna be quite a fun thing, and, and I think, um, a lot of, a lot of your audience, uh, will be familiar with some of the things like Mel's Hole, mm-hmm. to the story, um, Area 51, there's some explosions, um, I just think it's a really fun, fun little project, and I just can't wait to, to start it. I didn't see all but of it. Any- I didn't see all of it, did I? I just saw a few rough drafts, right? Well, you basically saw the whole story. Um, oh, okay, was, I got the whole thing. Draft, yeah. That's, mm. that's how I write stories. Uh, I don't write the script. Uh, basically, just draw the whole thing out. Mm. Um, and put, put words in people's mouths. That's the easiest way I I think a story is to write. Yeah, yeah so are, are you going to cut some of those parts off with art? Of course. Uh, he's no longer in the story. You're just not... Oh, okay, you're just going to... Okay. He's not relevant anymore, is he? Well... I guess not, to some degree. That might get us into I mean, some hot water, but yeah, I guess you're right. You think this is your show? Uh, well, you'd be surprised who who actually ended up listening the number of times. But maybe the word gets around. This is a small circle. Certain people talk. If he's, if he's ever listening, you should call him. Yeah. Come on as a guest or something. Yeah, I would love to talk um, to him, but who knows? As much as as much as we we hate the fact that he is no longer on the air, I think we you know we can be angry. We can some people had um, subscribed to his show, and I guess they're a bit angry about him not you know fulfilling his his side of the deal. But I'm sure a lot of us would still like to hear from him. He's just gone quiet, hasn't he? Yes, and hold that thought one second. I'm looking at this thing here and. I had mentioned Afghanistan, and that person is back listening to the program. And if you're out there, and I know you are, I could see you logged in here. You should call in to the show sometime. End of days, Mike, or 760-332-8947. 760-332-8947. Oh, yeah, I see you, Afghanistan. Why, why don't you call in? Please do whenever you get the chance. Would love to talk to you. Maybe they have, uh, you know, some thoughts on what's happening yeah, in politics. Exactly. Yeah. I would, that, that would, be interesting. would love to talk to anyone out there. Yeah. 
I gave out the number. You know, they could what go do to. You think of Trump and Afghanistan? That's a good question. I'm gonna go. Hopefully, you'll call in and I can listen. I don't think they're gonna call in. To be honest with you, they're scared. They're they're pretty scared. They're not gonna call in. Most people don't want to call in here. They're kind of terrified at times. I dare you to call in Afghanistan. Nah, they're not gonna do it. Nah, probably not. By the way, going back to the comic, um, so who else is included in this? Oh, um, I forgot to mention uh, George Norrie. I won't say what happens to him, but he he, he plays a little cameo. No spoilers. Uh, it's pretty exciting what happens to him. This is interesting. I'm gonna have to tell him about this comic. We should send him a copy. I can I could do that actually. I wonder if he'll have a sense of humor about it because. Mm, well. I think he does. I think he has a sense of humor. I think he'll laugh about I'm part, it. I'm part of that um, Facebook page. Um, I, don't, I can't remember what it's called, but we take an audio or something. Uh, I don't know what it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think he's a good villain, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I'm going to go. Yes. I, you're, you're breaking up a little bit there. It's kind of kind of hard to pick up on you there. Okay, good luck for the rest of the show. Yeah, um, yeah, thanks for calling in, man. I, this was the first time ever. See you phone Zoom. Yeah, this was the first time I ever actually got to talk to you here. It's usually by text. Yeah, you could talk about my, my accents and all this stuff. Yeah, I can understand you fine. It's just we could, I could barely hear you. That's all. I need a better, better mic. And then at times I could hear you just fine. I think it's more of a Skype issue. Perhaps. Yeah, but once again, I, I do want to thank you for being on the program and talking to me for a few minutes here. It was pretty cool, and I hope we get to come up with, with some more projects down the line here, and I'm looking forward to the comic. Yeah, always open to suggestions. Yeah, I, I need to go back and, and read it read it all over again here and try my best not to share it with anyone because it's it's pretty it's pretty much gold, I think. It's good, man. It's really, it's solid. I'm just, yeah, I'm just curious to how you were going to cut art out of there. That's all. Um, I'll speak to you privately about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk off air about that. Yeah. All right. Once again, yeah, take care, man. All right. Bye bye. And that was Warren Raysdorf, by the way. Great, great guy calling in all the way from South Africa. That was pretty neat, right? Got to talk to him there, and I do want to say once again, thank you for listening to the program. And, of course, if you missed any shows, go to endofdaysradio.org or michaeldeacon.com, and you'll be able to find all that information there, I promise. Oh, yeah. I also want to quickly go back in time here and say that I had a great time at the Conscious Life Expo. And I hope everyone out there gets the chance to experience one of those in the near future. And I'm getting a message here from Warren. Yeah, that's a good idea, Warren. We could definitely share some snippets, snapshots from the comic. I think a lot of people are going to be pretty curious about that. I'm excited. I can't wait. I really can't wait. we got to figure something out. We will definitely have to talk about this. Yeah, don't worry. I'll, I'll send you... An email or something. We'll, we'll set something up, Warren. But once again, thanks for being on the program. That was fun. So going back to the Conscious Life Expo, I, I just wanted to quickly say it was amazing. And Jordan Maxwell meeting him was phenomenal. I never thought 
I would run into him and I got to experience that with Laura and that was fantastic. Very fantastic. I, I can't stop, can't stop praising Jordan. He is legit, by the way. He is as real as it gets. Some people asked me in the past if I thought, um, he was sort of like a fake personality type, someone putting up this, um, this type of a uh, personality here, this persona on air. And no, Jordan is real. He's the real deal. He really is the real deal. I'm so glad I got to meet him and I'll be able to talk to him on the program eventually. So I do want to thank Alex Black once again. That is his agent. And of course, I do want to thank Tom Danheiser and I want to thank Laura London once again. And of course, Linda Moen Howe, someone else who will eventually be here. Crossing my fingers for that. Oh yes. Lots of good times coming up here. Lots of good times. And yes, Warren, I'm going to have to send something to Nori. That's George Nori. I'm going to have to tell him about this comic. Hopefully he keeps an open mind because I think it's fantastic. I think he might get a big kick out of it. So I'll definitely pass him that idea for sure. And once again, I apologize to Diane Bischoff James. I was looking forward to interviewing her, but things didn't work out, so I apologize for that. And once again, thank you for all those people out there who are listening live. Really appreciate that. You guys are great. And of course, those who listen to the podcast version of this, I I do appreciate those who do that too. But of course, I want you to listen to the show live. It's always more fun that way when it's live and direct. All sorts of different things can happen. During the interview with Nancy, giving you, giving you an example, someone called in and they asked her if me or her have experienced a wet dream. My goodness. Not exactly the most original thing to say, but I do give them a little bit of effort for calling in. That was, that was actually pretty interesting. And I give you some credit for calling in. This is a call-in show, by the way. The number is on the website endofdaysradio.org or michaeldeacon.com. Yes, those two numbers are there. Don't be shy. You can call in any time and I'll talk to you. It's always fun. So, once again, folks, thank you for being here. I'm going to have to wrap this up here. I'm looking at the time and it seems like I went a little bit over. I did have a few other things to say, but... I think I'll save that for the next show with Christopher O'Brien. That's coming up pretty soon. I guess I'll save my words for that. I, I had a number of things to say, a number of issues to address. However, I'll save that here. I'll save all of you the headache. So I'll go away slowly now. I'm bow bowing my head here in respect to all of you out there listening. It's been fun, but I gotta go now. So once again, Thank you all. I I really appreciate that. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.
mentioned the Illuminati, and we're not going to behind them, but the Illuminati certainly is as part of the whole thing. But the top members of the Illuminati are Oprah Bush. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed before 726. Oh, I'm Granny. I like Granny. I'm gonna keep it real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. You guys are, you guys are really good. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That son of a bitch. I, I like that man. It's, it's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the butt, and then you say, what the fuck do you have in your pocket? What the fuck are you gonna be smoking tonight about midnight? That's what I want. Just for what it's worth, I want to put in my two cents to tell you both that you have one of the most incredibly well-rounded shows. Uh, other men. Men. 22 years old. Still virgin. Guess what, motherfuckers?